Boom, Mike Baker, ladies and gentlemen. Boom. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm doing well. Hey, you know. Yeah, it seems like uh, the year's going well so far. <laughs> Not much to report. Hey, is that sarcasm? Yeah, Are you guys allowed to use that? I know. I know. We're supposed to have that removed when we join. Um, but, uh, yeah. No, it's going good. Going good. Thank you. Family's great. Beautiful. Uh, kids are doing very well. Business is going very well. I know everybody was most concerned about my family and my kids. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> That's how people like to start off a podcast. Yeah. Well, we just yeah. want to hear you're having a good time up there in God's country. Oh, uh, yeah. Idaho. Yeah, oh, beautiful place. We were just talking about how awesome it is up there. Yeah, and we're getting a lot of snow. Um, I mean, you guys are getting a ton of snow up in the north, particularly here in California, but we're getting just hammered. Yeah, they with got snow. like five feet up in Big Bear. Yeah, yeah. Big Bear apparently just got just covered in snow, which we had, is awesome. Uh, we had like 330 inches of snow up where we've got a place up in yeah, about two hours outside of Boise, uh, up in the mountains where we, we go skiing and, and fishing, and, and um, not at the same time. Uh, well, that'd be a hell of a That's, sport. Someone's probably done that. Well, you know, I know, I do know that guys are cross-country skiing into hunting spots now. Yeah. That's a, a thing that guys are doing. There's actually these foldable skis, and you strap these things on, and they can stuff in your pack when you're done, and apparently it's way better than snowshoes. So when guys are trying yeah. to traverse, like, really, unpa- you know, like, fresh snow, no path, thick stuff... They're doing cross-country yeah. skiing. And I mean, that's tough. It's, that's tough work, but it's it's not as tough as snowshoeing. Snowshoeing is a, is a grind yeah. uh, for any distance. Right. right? But, uh, but yeah, you know what? You do see. I mean, we were f- just skiing fresh tracks off off the uh, the side, backside of one of the mountains that we ski. is two weeks ago. And, you know, the snow was falling. There was no wind. It was just beautiful. There was nobody. We didn't, I, think we saw, I think we saw two other skiers the whole time that we were out. And... It's just, and you stop constantly and just stare and look around and you think, how beautiful this is. And then, and then I do what everybody does. I take out my phone to, because I'm going to capture the moment right. on, my, on my phone camera and somehow get the grandeur of this scene on my iPhone. And mm-hmm. I always do the same thing. I go, I go back to the, you know, I sit in the cabin and I look and I go, oh, that's a stupid photo. It just looks like <laughs> yeah. white. Yeah, exactly. Is that you? Yeah. That's, a, that's the picture you took? Oh, that's one of them, yeah. It's pretty yeah. goddamn beautiful still. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty beautiful. Good. I have some buddies that live up in Ketchum. They mm-hmm. run uh, First Light. My friend Ryan Callahan. Shout out to Ryan Callahan. He runs uh, First Light. It's a, a hunting clothing company, and they're up in Ketchum, and he's always just raving about it. Yeah, Ketchum's great. That's where Sun Valley is, and mm-hmm. it gets more crowded up there. Um, you know, but it's uh, that's you know, kind it's, of like it's, a high end. It's a great town. It is a fancy, high end. Yeah, fancy pants. Yeah, I place. mean, if you look at, at Idaho, <clears throat> there's two. Uh, there's two blue spots in Idaho. One is Boise, the very Democrat, you know, heavy city, and the other is uh, Ketchum uh, in that in that particular county because of Sun Valley being there. Uh, and so we get a lot of uh, a lot of wealthy folks. But it's a beautiful town. It's a great community. It's a, it's a year-round community. But um, there's some other towns. There's a place up there in Idaho called McCall, which uh, again is a couple hours outside of Boise, up in the mountains, and it's a real town, right? I mean, there's nothing fancy about it. But it's a great place. It sits right on this beautiful lake, Payette Lake. And, uh, you know, fishing's fantastic. And then the skiing is great during the winter. It's, you know, I sound like I'm on the Chamber of Commerce. Well, listen, um, man, we were saying right before people from Idaho don't like to talk about how beautiful Idaho is because they're trying to keep people out. I know. But I, I know. Have, I shouldn't uh, do that. Mm. I have some friends that have a house on Coeur d'Alene, and they send me pictures, and you just go, holy shit. Yeah. You get to look at that? Like, they're on this lake. 
and it's about 100 feet deep, and you could see the ground like it's glass. Yep. You see the bottom of that lake, you could see the logs that are down there, the sticks. Yeah. I'm like, that is crazy. Yeah, it's crystal clear. Wildlife up there is fantastic. It's just, yeah, it is. And there's places like that all around the state, you know. And, and the nice thing about Idaho is, I mean, again, everybody says, oh, what if we turn into the PBS Idaho hour? It's a great place. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it gives you a different look everywhere you go. Eastern Idaho, west, you know, up north. It's, it's yeah, so there's a lot going for it. And the, the hunting's great. The, the fishing's fantastic. Fly fishing is amazing. Whitewater. Uh, Whitewater's going to be insane this year because of the snow. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's a great place to be. The climbing is good. And so. a giant chunk of that is public land, folks. That's your land. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is something that I put on my Instagram yesterday and the day before as well because there's a, a bill that got introduced that's being proposed to uh, sell off public lands. And uh, there's this one representative. What's that fellow's name? They Jason got a, Jason Chavitz from Utah. He uh, introduced this bill. How dare you, Jason, to try to sell. Look, he's a young fellow. He doesn't fucking know what he's doing. Look, he yeah. looks like he's in his 30s. Just people don't realize how lucky we have it to have so oh. much of this country public land like that where you can. And it's not just hunting, folks. What, you know, people say, oh, you care about hunting. No, listen to me. You could hike this. You could fish. You can camp. You could just go lie down and stare at the stars. It's your land. This yeah. is all ours. And it's unprecedented in this world. There's no other country that has anything remotely like our public land system. We can't let them give it away. No. We can't let them sell it. And if anybody wants to like you know, uh, you know, give a kick in the ass to hunting, I don't understand that either because you know what? A lot of the land is maintained by hunting, you know, and, and, and you know, both in the fees and also just that, you know, hunting itself is doing a great service, you know. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't quite get that. I mean, I understand it, and I suppose, on an emotive level. Because, how could you kill that thing? Because he's tasty. Because I like to eat. Well, it's a, it's, <laughs> I, I get it. It's a kind way to think. Go to the RMEF page. You want to see money for conservation for hunting. You want to see some staggering numbers. The Twitter page, uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Federation, RMEF. And they post these charts that show the billions and billions of dollars that go towards conservation every year, all because of people who fish and hunt. It's right. it's the numbers are staggering. Oh, yeah. You go and, to Cabela's, and you know, it, 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 I always wondered about this. You go to Cabela's, you buy something at Cabela's, or you know, a, you know, Bass Pro, wherever you got in your local area, and you know, routinely they're saying, "Well, would you like to donate a dollar to you know conservation fund? Would you like to donate a dollar yep. to you know?" Uh, of course you would. You know, because plus that's, a percentage yeah. of your sale goes mm. directly to it. Anyway. Anyway, if you yeah. buy hunting equipment, a certain percentage, I forget what the number is, but it's a good healthy percentage that turns out to be millions and millions of dollars every year. There we go. Just Minnesota. Look at this. More people hunt or fish in Minnesota, 1.65 million, than double the combined populations of Minneapolis, St. Paul, Rochester, and Duluth. And 3.17 billion is the amount spent by 1,649,000 hunters and anglers in a single year in Minnesota. That's an incredibly large part of the economy, folks. And a giant chunk of that goes to preserving wildlife habitat, to preserving wetlands, to making sure that animal populations are kept healthy, to make sure that predator populations are kept in balance, and that ranchers aren't you know, impeded upon by mountain lions and wolves and shit like that. That's a, it's an incredible number. Yeah, it's crazy. That's just for Minnesota, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, just that's, Minnesota. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and then you think of the other states all combining together. You know, it's the reason why we have more white-tailed deer in America today than when Columbus landed. Mm. That's a fact. Sport, look at this. Michigan, $576 million in state and local tax revenue. 
enough to support the average salaries of nearly 11,000 police and sheriff's officers. It's and pretty by the fucking way, incredible. I didn't know we could still mention Columbus. I didn't know that was allowed anymore. It's allowed. It's allowed. We can still yeah, talk can about still Columbus. Yeah, we can still talk about him. It's kind of yeah. it's, it's crazy, Columbus Day, when you find out what a savage he was. Yeah. What a terrible person Columbus yeah. was. Yay, Columbus Day. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> do we have any stevia, Jamie? Yeah. This tastes like shit. This, this together. I'm not, I'm not a fan of this, the way it is with the butter. I like that emulsified MCT oil, but uh, I don't like it blended into the... It's just I'm expecting the other kind of coffee, and it comes out like this. I'm like, what is this? It's all right. It's all right. It's not the best. I like it. Uh, what do I know? I'm going back to the old way. You know what I'm saying? Okay. What do you think? I think it's okay. It tastes pretty good. Just a little different taste. It's yeah. got a sweeter yeah. something. In yeah. Maybe we need yeah. less of it or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bitch. How maybe much I'm do you drink a day? How much coffee? coffee? Yeah. I don't even count it. I just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I used to. I used to worry about it. I said, man, maybe I should back up off the coffee. But um, coffee is an excellent source of antioxidants. It, if you're not, you're not dehydrated if you're drinking plenty of water on top of that. I always drink water with it. Mm. And I don't see any negative effects when I go my, get my you know, health stuff done and get blood work done. So right. I don't fucking back off it at all. Yeah. But sometimes I do get a little too jazzed up. There's this uh, company that we uh, have uh, that sponsors us, my friend's company, yeah. Caveman Coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they make these nitros. They're these little tiny things. They're nitrogenated coffee that's 270 milligrams of caffeine in one little can. Holy shit. Get Mr. Baker a nitro. nitro. <laughs> we'll sh show him one of these things. Yeah, hey, I got a busy day tomorrow. I'll pop these, that in the morning first thing. And these little fuckers. Yeah. I take these before I lift weights, and I want to throw things through the fucking walls. <laughs> and <laughs> I do. They're so good. It's so good. That little tiny it's thing a, is 270 milligrams of caffeine, and it's nitrogenated, which I don't know fantastic. why that's good. Well, you know. I'm gonna start. I'm seriously. I got a. I got a. I got an early call in the morning. I got an early start. Got a lot of activity going on. I'm just gonna pop this in the morning. And see Take how that it feels. with you. We'll yeah. give you a few of them. Yeah. See what you can do. I'll give them to the team. Yeah. That'll be good. <laughs> mm. If you like the taste of actual coffee, it's really good yeah. coffee. It's like there's a whole st story behind the company, but mm. it's this one farm in Colombia, single source, single family. It is Colombia, right? I know. Too many I have too much information <laughs> in my Columbia. brain. Yeah, I, I even things that I know for a fact, I'll say them and I'll go, "Are you sure?" Like right away, I question yeah. myself. I think I've got. I got to re erase some of my data. I've done that. I've pared it down. I've, I've, I'm, I'm streamlining now. I'm thinking I'm of starting to spar again. Maybe just do a little kickboxing sparring. Just trim down some of my memories. <laughs> <laughs> just a few too many in there. I might have to take a couple uh, of jabs. It's, it's as my boys. Two of my boys. Actually, all three of them now. What am I saying? All three of them. Uh, my my uh, my kids uh, Scooter and Sluggo and Muggsy are nine Those seven are and five. Hilarious and, names, and they're and they're hilarious. For former kids. CIA operatives' kids. I know. Well, they like the Three Stooges. That's uh, that's what. <laughs> and so they, uh, but they're in uh, they're in Taekwondo now. You know, nice. we we looked around, we checked out a few places, and we found this one that we really like. And, and also, to be fair, part of it is just timing. They they their 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 structure and their class work, uh, their timing works well with. Other things the kids are doing, but they're they're in there. How old are they? And they're How not are nine, seven, and five. That's a good age to start mm -hmm. Taekwondo because yeah. then you'll learn the dexterity and the flexibility and stuff like that. And then if they really get serious about martial arts, you can transition them to something like jujitsu or kickboxing right. or something like this. Right. I think the I middle recommend. one. I think the middle one will um, stick with it. He is he is supremely focused. The older one is does very well. But he's got a variety of other interests, right? And right now he's he's focused on on other sports, lacrosse and basketball. But that that, that middle one. Um, he, you can just kind of watch him and see. You know, it's like everything else. Right? Yep. Your, your kids spark on different things, and he seems to have really sparked on this. The That's youngest awesome. one, the five-year-old, you know, he does great, but he's kind of sparked on, 
uh, candy bars and things. It's like that. Yeah, it's like one of the fascinating things about having kids is to realize there's only so much that you do to shape their personality. They come out of the box unique in a weird way. Like, I have two yeah. daughters that are young. I was six and an eight, and they are so different. I mean, yeah. so different. The six-year-old thinks farts are hilarious. She's <laughs> and they are. so funny. But she'll say, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? <laughs> and she'll just fart on you. And then she'll fall to the ground laughing. <laughs> She's got to meet my five-year-old. Those two will get along like a house on fire. Everybody farts. gets mad at her. Yeah. You just can't do that. You just can't be farting. And I'm laughing. They're like, don't laugh at her. I'm like, that is hilarious. She just farted on you. What's the eight-year-old? Eight-year-old's more of a girly girl? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Much more of a girly girl. The six-year-old's a savage. She's like a little gorilla. She's really <laughs> hilarious. She's very, very funny. Yeah. Well, my three just spend They spend all their time, uh, just like every other kid, right? But boys in particular, they spend all their time beating the shit out of each other. Oh, yeah. And so we thought, you know what? We've been looking for a while to find the right place to, for them to channel that physical side of things. And uh, and now it's good because now they focus on you know if they're gonna if that's they're great. gonna yeah if they're gonna hurt each other they're gonna hurt them each other in the proper way I suppose yeah but, get some sparring yeah, in get some sparring well, that's in. one of the good things about jujitsu you know we had talked about getting your kids into jujitsu mm -hmm. the good thing about jujitsu is you can go full blast the thing about kicking each other in the head is boy you could really only do that a couple of times. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you know, that's right. You're just not that's the right. same person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's reality. My kids are allowed to kick me and punch me full blast as long as they tell me they're going to do it. Yeah. So they're, I like let them throw full power leg kicks because I'm trying to teach them how to like really sink the shin into mm -hmm. the meat. Yeah. You know, so like my daughter will throw a left hook to the body, right leg kick combination. She goes, I want to do it right now. I go, okay, go ahead. It's like, slap, boom. Like, it's getting harder, man. As you get eight and 10, around like 12, I'm going to have to tell them yeah. to stop. Okay, that's enough now. Daddy's going to have yeah. to pad up. Yeah. I'm going to put a chest pad on. But that's the difference between boys and girls. Girls, you can say, you're going to have to tell me. You can do this, but you have to tell me. My guys are like, you know, like Cato from, you know, the Pink Panther. <laughs> I walk in the house and they're like lurking somewhere. And then their whole goal is to try to punch me in the junk. And they think that's hilarious. Uh, and they, the, 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 uh, the middle one, again, the middle one, he, uh, Sluggo, he caught me one time when I came in the door, the, fr the front door of the house, and I was carrying a bag. I'd just gotten off a plane. I was carrying a bag. And before I could even put the bag down and say hello, and the kids were kind of coming down the stairs, you know, I thought it was it's like a Norman Rockwell thing. You know, they're going to come hug their dad and adore me a little bit, you know, and daddy's home. And Sluggo comes around the corner out of nowhere and says, Dad, and just punches me square in the nuts. <laughs> and it was so hard that I, I literally, because you know what happens. I mean, you know, it's just, <laughs> you just drop. And I dropped. And he, he and the other two stand there and laugh in my face like maniacs. <laughs> and I thought, what the? And my wife is coming around the corner. And she looks. She goes, what the hell happened? I said, I, you know, I couldn't, you know. How old was he? Out. At that time, he was six. That's what happens. Yeah, so. You raise a little six-year-old in the mountains, a bunch of wolves and That's shit. Right. <laughs> they just start punching you in the dick as soon as they see you. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's Idaho greeting. Yeah. How y'all doing? A bunch of animals yeah. out there. <sighs> so, 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 um, what's your take on this Trump versus the intelligence community jazz that seems to be going on right now? Because uh, I couldn't wait to get you in here to get an yeah. insider's perspective on this because I've, I've never seen anything like it i mean i've never seen anything like what's going he was he was talking shit about flu shots today <laughs> he's like flu shots are the biggest scam ever like are you sure have yeah. you done research are you a doctor wow wow yeah i know that whole and he's and he's kind of appointed not appointed but he's brought somebody in as an advisor on that who is you know against vaccinations yeah. whatever that term is and not the, the the intel thing uh there's so many ways you can take this. It was a, 
you know, basically it was a self-inflicted wound. It was unnecessary. There was no reason for him uh, in the early stage of this, when that narrative started to build about, oh, there's this rift building between Trump and the intel community, it was because of his tweets, right? Mm -hmm. And it was because of him questioning the, uh, the intelligence about Russian meddling in our election system, you know? And, and now, to, to talk about that just for a second, of course the fucking Russians were meddling. The Russians have been meddling in U.S. politics and and campaigning over here in a way since they've been around. As have the Chinese. As have the Chinese. You could go back to, and people should, this was a fascinating period of, of, of time in, in history, back to like 1941. Go back to when the Russians were still in an alliance and a pact with the Nazis. And so from the Russian perspective, their goal, their, their point was to keep the uh, U.S. out of the war. And so what did they do? There's an isolationist wing in, in the states. And Roosevelt was under a lot of pressure. Roosevelt was, was becoming very close to Churchill. He understood the threat. He was one of the few people that did at the time. He understood how important it was going to be for America to get into this battle. The U.K. was about ready to fall. And so the British were actually running their intelligence operations out of New York. They had a place over in Rockefeller, uh, Rockefeller Center. And because they were worried, they were, the island was going to be run over by the Nazis. So you have this going on. The dynamic with the Russians was that they were still in this pact, you know, with the Nazis. Stalin didn't see this coming. He didn't see that, you know, and the Nazis were running a very large propaganda campaign, a diversion effort to ensure that the Russians wouldn't know that they were about to invade. So the Russians spent a great deal of time and money and resource here in the U.S. influencing U.S. public opinion about staying out of the war. There's no reason to be in the war. Why would you want to get into another war in Europe? And they bought journalists and, and, and uh, placed uh, newspaper articles. They paid off journalists. They were uh, setting up associations that were supposedly independent but were run by the, the, the Soviets. Uh, they were influencing unions, dumping money into unions and, and, and bribing, basically, to, to get them to steer their membership to isolationist you know, uh, agenda. So to say that, oh, I don't know if the Russians were meddling, of course they've been doing it. That's the, and then all the way through the Cold War. You know, that's, this is what they do. So... You know, but it, it, the narrative, because it always has to be simplified, uh, I think, as far as the media is concerned, the narrative was that they influenced the election. Well, no, they were meddling, but they weren't hacking into election systems. They weren't hacking into voting booths and, and changing these things. <clears throat> so, so when we say meddling, yeah. what they were doing is essentially they were getting information that was private, that was being distributed between mm -hmm. the Democratic. Right. Convention. Right. They were definitely involved in, in the DNC hacking, for instance. Right. They were definitely involved in... So out, how were they involved? Know. Were they involved where they did, did they directly did the hacking to the Democrats, or were they privy to the information because someone sold it to them or got it to them? As with most of these things, usually there's cutouts, right? So there's, there's, there's uh, pl plausible deniability. And uh, so... Okay. Um, but the Russians have been very... Oh, I'm sorry. No worries. The Russians have been very um, adept over the years at uh, creating uh, mayhem, creating chaos around democratic institutions. Their whole goal is to chip away at public trust in, in a democracy, and not just here in the U.S., but everywhere. I mean, you know, and, and obviously that played out in proxy wars out in Africa. And so, I, again, I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it should have shocked no one that the Russians would be engaged in this sort of thing. But um, Trump, Again, a self-inflicted wound. He hadn't gotten the full briefings yet. He hadn't seen the the intelligence about this. Uh, and prior to that, then, he's sending out a handful of tweets saying, I don't know, I question it. It didn't make any sense. 
you, you have all the, the, the opportunity in the world to question the intelligence. And the time to do that, you know, you're sitting there, you're getting the briefings from the heads of the agencies, which happened. And then if you, if you notice, after that briefing, his, his tone changed completely. And he came out and, you know, okay, well, the Russians were involved, right? Um, and it didn't make it. Now he had to walk that back. So then he goes out to the agency and he, and he has a meeting, which I think was a great thing. I was really happy to see that he did that. And, and so soon in the administration, he goes out to, to our headquarters out, out there in Virginia. Um, and, you know, he got sidetracked, but that's his personality. He starts talking about, you know, the inauguration numbers. He starts talking about the media, you know, the unfair media. Well, you know what? You could just go out there, thank the people, say you're looking forward to working with them to protect national security interests, shake some hands and leave. But it's not in his nature, right? So he's going to get sidetracked and he's going to talk about other things. And then that becomes the story, you know, not, not other things that he's doing. He's talking about uh, uh, spending more resource on, on, on human intelligence, right? Because, and, and that's something that gets talked about and is done in cycles. So after 9-11, what happened? Well, suddenly George Tenet, the director at the time, was instructed, you got to get more officers. you got to get more cadre. we got to recruit people. We can't just rely on signals and intercepts and you know, technology. Uh, so that happens over a period of time. He's talking about revamping the DNI or maybe you know, taking it apart. Well, that's been talked about for many years. You know, the DNI was put together after 9-11, and you know, it's a big layer of bureaucracy, frankly. So... Some of the things he's talking about. What does that about, stand for? DNI. Uh, Director of National Intelligence. Okay. So uh, James Clapper was the previous guy going in there, um, or running that, and and it's going to be interesting because um, the DNI was no from Mike Flynn, who's now the National Security guy. Um, he had a rocky relationship with with the DNI, and he feels like they basically pushed him out of his last position in the intel community. So it'll be interesting to see how he deals with this issue of do we restructure. But I guess my point being is that you know and. I don't, I don't really have a dog in the hunt. You know, was Trump my preferred candidate? Well, no, but now he's the president. And we, from my point of view, now you want it to work. Now you do everything possible. But just like with anybody else, you look for the good and you, you say, that's great. And if something you, know, you don't agree with, well, then you can say that too. We got that right in this country. You know, we don't have to agree with every single thing that any president does. We can disagree with the policies. But we don't have to, you know, slag people off. And if I veer off and say, well, I don't think uh, President Trump should have veered off and talked about inauguration numbers in the media when he was standing there in our lobby in front of the stars on the wall, you know, I get, I get, uh, you know, a couple hundred uh, tweets, you know, saying, you know, you're a fucking idiot. You know, how could you say that? Well, I say it because, you know, what? Well, how, how, how is that somehow insulting? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to like some of the things that he does. I'm not going to like some of the things he does. That's that's the way it works, right? You find, and but it, I, I don't know. I'm veering down a rabbit hole right now, but I think it's because I get I'm getting pissed off because, you know, we've seemed to have gotten away from the idea that, you, you know, nobody's perfect, right? And everybody that's a that's a died in the wool Trump supporter right now, uh, who for the past eight years hated the fact that Obama supporters were adoring of him and said everything he does is brilliant. Now they're you know some of those folks are doing the same thing with the, with the new president, and, you know, like I said, I. I'll be honest with you. I'm happy she didn't win. I'm ecstatic that Hillary Clinton didn't win, frankly. Um, but that doesn't mean that I've got to now stand up and, and say everything Donald Trump does is great. I wouldn't do that what with any so, president. What was so troubling for you uh, about her? Well, let's see. Where do we begin? Um, I felt like... 
you know, and I, I'm, I'm try, obviously I'm trying to pick my my words carefully here, because um, I'm trying to be diplomatic. I think that, you know she I didn't I didn't like uh, what I perceived as as uh, uh, a lack of of, uh, of character. I didn't like what I perceived as not again. And here's the problem: I didn't like either of the candidates. Neither candidate was my choice. Neither candidate was I didn't really have a choice. Neither candidate was my I didn't have a dog in the hunt. Um, but if I looked at at her. I just felt like there was, there wasn't anything there, and I felt like we had the past eight years. I felt like with the the previous president, again, I liked some of the things he did. I didn't like a lot, some of the stuff that he did, but I was always concerned that he didn't have uh, principles that he stood on. That he said, you know what, this is this is where I draw the line, and this is what these are my principles. This is what I believe in, um, and I felt like she was similar in that way. And I think we've just had enough of sort of that bend in the wind and do whatever we're going to do. This country's lost a lot of leverage overseas. And if and, and I know people say, well, that's good. We shouldn't be the police person around the world. You know what? The fucking truth is somebody's got to be. Right? And if we're not at the top of the food chain, that's fine. We can step off because we want to build more roads here and we want to spend our money here. And I get that. And that's important. But if we're not, if somebody's not at the top of the food chain... Somebody else will try, or it'll be chaos, or it's a vacuum. And it's not a community of nations that gathers together and, and acts in a global community spirit. You know, our, our, our interests don't align very often with other countries. We have certain allies where it does, um, but no, it, that's not how it works. It's chaos out there, and it's, it's pretty nasty at times. And so I'm a big believer in, yes, we shouldn't be out there policing everything, but we're going to need to, and we should want to be at the top of the heap. Well, it definitely doesn't seem there's any benevolent superpower that's looking out for the world's best interests no. outside of us. No. And, I, and, and, then, and people raise their eyes. You know, when I, you say something like that, right. and, I get, and, I, and I agree with it 100%, people roll their eyes and they go, ah, it's bullshit. You know, okay, America's then, out there. Trying, yeah. Then what? Right. Wh who are they? Right. Right. And, I, know, mean, yeah, and, and yeah. I get those feelings. I, I understand where those people are coming from. I get this idea right. of anti-globalization. Right. I get this idea... You know, the, they're, they're anti the, uh, the whole idea of the military-industrial complex controlling all the resources of the world. I get it. I yep. totally understand. But know this. There are some bad countries out there. Not, not bad people, but countries that are run by dictators. Countries that are run by extremely ruthless people. And a lot of them have access to some significant military power. Yeah, and, 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 and you're absolutely right. We, I mean, of course, we make mistakes. Obviously, we make mistakes. But, I, you know, I, I'd spent almost all my life overseas. And, you know, I, I spent a long time peeking behind a curtain. And we, we try to self-correct. We may take a wrong turn. We may do something that, you know, okay, okay, fine. That, that isn't working out. But we, we tend to try to do the th uh, things for the right reason, regardless of which administration it is, you know. Um, and... Just as as a as a, as a as a principle, a guiding principle, I and maybe people hear that and they think, yeah, what a fucking idiot. You know, that's not how it works. But it, it that's how it works. I'm, I'm that's everybody has to speak according to their own experience. My experience is that um, uh, most of my you know childhood and adult life overseas, and I've seen a lot of weird shit, and I've been to a lot of uh, difficult places. And America stands um, again. A few allies, the Brits. I'm partial. I'm, I'm, I'm a dual citizen, but uh, the Brits are right there with us. Uh, Canadians, who doesn't love the Canadians? Um, New Zealand, Australia. You know, there's a, a small community there that tries to be principled, tries to do the right thing. 
Uh, everybody else out there is acting purely in their own best interest. And our interests and theirs almost never align, whether it's Russia or, you know, parts of Europe or, you know, wherever it may be, Latin America. Um, so, yeah, somebody's got to somebody's gotta be at the top of the food chain, and I just prefer to be us. Yeah, the, I mean, there's massive criticisms in the United States, and a lot of them are valid. It makes a lot of sense. But there's human beings are just flawed. This is this is the most recent country. This is the newest country, and this is the only country that exists like this. This experiment in self-government that exists today. There's nothing like it out yeah. there. And the more you look into it, you have a much more intense and deep understanding of it than I ever will, because of your experience in life and all the th- different places that you've been and all the things that you've seen. But there's no way if you look at the rest of the world there's nothing there's nothing remotely similar to what's going on over here this is a crazy place it's a crazy place as far as innovation a crazy place as far as creativity and art and film and comedy and and music and just there's so much bubbling in this one part of the world. And, 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 it, and liberties and freedoms yeah, and, and, exactly. and things to do. I mean, great. You know, like the protests on inauguration mm-hmm. day. Great. Go out and protest. Yeah. Now, don't fucking go blow up a, a limo. Don't you know, throw or, fucking chairs through Starbucks right, and shit like yeah, that. They that, did a lot of stupid shit. And that's, you know, that's a small, you know, a small group. And that's fine. And it's going to happen, I suppose. But, you know, what? When, they, when they're out there talking about oppression and being oppressed in America... My thought is always the same. I always think, you know what we should do? We should reenact the, the, the standard mandatory service. Everybody should have to serve two years, whether it's in the military or some international component where you go overseas and you spend a little bit of time in some shithole and you see how bad it is and how bad it can be. But all these people that walk around here and talk about it, and I get it, you know. We could do you know, better. Yeah, we yeah, could do better. Uh, of course we can do and better. And they're right yeah. in that sense. Right. And they're right easy. in that sense. But yeah, we, need, we need a balanced perspective. Right. Yeah. right. That's it. That's, I guess, what I'm saying. A balanced perspective. How did it happen? Because this is what was confusing to me. How did the FBI, and now originally, eventually the FBI came around to the CIA's conclusions, but mm-hmm. for a long time the FBI was disagreeing with the CIA about whether or not the Russians had anything to do with hacking the DNC? Yeah, the big, I think the big disagreement was really over motivation. Right. I mean, uh, was they, that what yeah. it was? B- a big I part thought it was, it was an evidence-based thing that they didn't see any evidence that the Russians were involved, which well, eventually became clear. And now there was a arrest. Yeah. There was an arrest, an unprecedented arrest, a couple of days ago, right? Yeah. Well, I think. But you're also talking about two different groups. So the bureau is is uh, the FBI is a uh, law enforcement. So when they look at something, they're looking at it from a law enforcement perspective. They're looking at gathering sufficient evidence to prove a case. Basically, that's how they look at it. The agency is an intel operation, and so they're ga- gathering pieces of information. You know, it's not an evidentiary chain thing. Right. It's, so let's just get, you know, the preponderance of intel. Let's see where it leads us. Some of it's going to be conflicting. Some of it's not well, well sourced. But let's all see what it tells us, you know. And so part of it is how they approach um, reaching a conclusion. But, you know, they, they were both going to get to the same place because the, eventually they, they sit down and they, they compare notes. Uh, but part of it was the difference of opinion over the motivation. And motivation is the toughest thing, one of the toughest things to prove in, in, uh, in this business, in intelligence. You know, you can say, okay, they did this. But, you know, unless you've got a source sitting in the tent who was there and part of the conversation when somebody said, well, you know, this is why or, you know, this is how we're going to do this and this is a reason. Or, it, without that sort of sourcing or, you know, intercepts, uh, it's, it's tough to prove motivation. So it took a while to kind of get around to that notion. And it's still, to be honest, 
you know, it's still a little bit up in the air. We're probably never going to get it unless, again, we, we get our hands on a really quality, good source. Uh, that may still be a little bit up in the air. But the bottom line is the Russians, yeah, the Russians were engaged in doing what they always do. You know, right. Covert action, propaganda campaigns, whatever it may be, their 30,000-foot view is always the same. They want to they sow a sense of, of, uh, of mistrust. They want to create some chaos. They want to, you know, kind of chip away at the belief that, you know, a democracy is a great thing. And they did. Right? Look how much time was spent talking about the integrity of the election system and mm. whether we actually had a legitimate <clears throat> president or not. That's a win. So you got a couple of colonels in the FSB, which was the old KGB, uh, who undoubtedly have been promoted as a result of that operation. And who got who, someone got arrested from the FSB? Who was that guy? Yeah, what, what I did don't. Get arrested yeah, for? I don't have those details in front of me. I just, just some uh, yeah. token guy that pissed off Putin. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I exactly. throw him in the fucking yeah. hole for a yeah. while. He just said the wrong thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, that's unprecedented, right? They, they never well, publicly arrest their guys like no, that. No. Um, well, they, they they have for certain things for corruption issues. Mm -hmm. um, if they get sideways, you know, from uh, internal arguments, you know, then you'll you'll. Yeah, it usually doesn't make the news because nobody really gives a shit outside of Russia. And they do um, now because of this. Because of now, yeah, because people want to talk about it. And What bothered you know, me about this, sorry to interrupt you, but what bothered me about this was the narrative. Because the narrative was Russia hacked the elections. That's what everybody kept saying. And that's right. what all these Democrats, these left-wing people were saying to try to pump up this idea that Trump was not a legitimate president. Mm -hmm. Russia hacked the election. Russia hacked the election. Well, no. Someone, maybe Russia, whoever it was, put that information out that the DNC had sent through private emails but the information was what they sent yeah. I mean it wasn't they didn't hack anything right they didn't get into any uh, election machines they didn't they didn't get into the voting machines they didn't do anything other than release information that was supposed to be private that indicated a bunch of really shady shit yeah exactly I mean all those all those Bernie Sanders how pissed off must you be if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter and you how about Bernie himself how fucked over he got yeah well he seemed to have made peace i guess he's he's a politician that even though he says he's not i mean at, at the he's core obviously he's a politician, a politician. yeah, yeah so. he's just a weirdly principled one yeah exactly i mean I, yeah. you know what i bernie would have been a better candidate i <clears throat> oh, think bernie would have sure. been a better candidate joe biden would have been a better candidate although <clears throat> you know you always like the person sitting on the bench and then they get in the race and they're not you know that's true so. too right they might have dug up some shit about right. both of those guys but bernie was an interesting guy and yeah. there was not a whole lot of people that are in his position for as long as he is that have the kind of principles he has like when he was able to say you know, why don't you release the transcripts of all these different speeches you gave to all these banks that you got paid a quarter million dollars? And he goes, I'll happily release mine because I don't have any because I wouldn't take a penny from those people. There's not a whole lot of people who could say stuff like that in a big debate. Yeah. And, you know, they rallied, they got together and they they decided to rig the primaries and they rigged it. They yeah. really did. Yeah. That was what the yeah. Russians exposed. Well, that, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, she was a real piece of work. You know? Incredible. And, yeah. So that, so I, I think there's, and you're right. Now, I guess what, you know, what obviously what, what people on that, uh, on, on the, on the far left side are saying is, well, but without that, if they hadn't released that information, then it would have been a different ball game. And, you know, they didn't. And, right. Because we yeah. wouldn't know how fucking corrupt she was. Right. right. We wouldn't know that Debbie Wasserman Schultz had done what she'd done. And Debbie Wasserman Schultz wouldn't have gotten fired from the DNC yeah. and then immediately got hired by Hillary's campaign. Yeah. I mean, they picked her up in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Well, she obviously they want to keep her happy. Yeah. You know, Hell you don't want yeah. somebody walking out of that organization with, with a chip on their shoulder exactly. and talking. So Especially yeah. after what she did for you. Yeah. I mean, no. they rigged the primaries. They really did. And people should be upset about that way more than anything else. This idea that Russia did something. When you expose something that you should that we should have known, we should have known about it because it's a crime. Mm. 
You know, that kind of corruption is essentially collusion. It's a crime. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. It's a real conspiracy to they're 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 interrupting a democratic process. And that's what they're right, doing. Right. Right. Well, and, and that was yeah, far more so than an outside force doing what you expect them to do anyway. Yeah, it's frankly, the, um, what the Russians did, they yeah, always do. Yeah. So I, I think it, it, it would have been a great. How interesting would those conversations though, in uh, in in the Kremlin um, or at FSB headquarters, where they're talking about this. Yeah. And they're they're thinking about it and they're planning it. Someone had to write a note, right? Someone had to sit and say, you know, I got an idea for an operation. And and they had because you know it, it, they're a bureaucracy like everything else, and so they they would have had to sit and figure this out, and then uh, it would have made its way to Putin because you know this obviously the concern over the blowback and the publicity of it all, so Putin clearly knew what was going on, uh, but again that's just the way it works. Stalin knew back in the day knew exactly what they were doing trying to influence public opinion here back during the early World War One or two, so. Yeah, I, there's no surprise the Chinese do the same thing. Every, you know, every nation that's got the resources. I mean, hell, we of course we do it too. People always say, "Well, but we do it." Well, yeah, of course we do it. You know, I'm not saying we don't. Yeah, they you, all do it. It's yeah. half of the weird competition that's going right. on. And you better hope we do it. In in a sense, I always say the same. People say when I talk about, uh, you know, um, cyber hacking or whatever. Yeah, people always go, "Yeah, well, you don't have any right to talk." Uh, the U.S. does it as well. I think, well, yeah. That's actually a good thing, given how aggressive and how nasty the world is out there and how we're constantly being hit and attacked um, out in cyberspace. I mean, yeah, we better hope we're good at it. And, you know, if people knew how often, how consistently and constantly uh, our commercial and and, uh, public sector infrastructure is probed and tested and attacked on a daily basis, people wouldn't sleep at night. All they have to do is watch uh, Showtime's series, Homeland. It's too super accurate. (laughs) That's it, Homeland. (laughs) You ever watch that show? I I don't watch a lot of those shows. I'm not a good person to watch shows like that with. My wife wife tells me that all the time. It's got to be like me watching those uh, karate movies. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The Karate Kid, of course. Well, yeah, 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 that's legit as fuck. But like, there's some, like that movie Warrior. I got mad at that movie. I'm like, you can't fight two days in a row like that. They don't, although they did do that in Japan recently. Crazy assholes. <laughs> Japan at a, a tournament, I think they fought three days in a row. Jeez. Japan takes to the next level. They don't give a fuck in Japan. <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they just go crazy. They, they pit together this woman, Gabby Garcia. She's mm. six foot three, maybe more. She might be six. She's at least six two. She's a solid 240. Mm. And they put her in the ring with a 50-year-old woman who had bad knees. And she beat the shit out of... Is that you dinging yeah, over there? Sorry about that, man. Yeah. Shut that. Look shut at that. that. Okay, sh- put that thing put on that vibrate, away. fella. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they put her in with this uh, this woman who's literally 50 years old. She's about five feet tall. And Gabby Garcia ran over her like a train. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible to watch. They don't care. Japan will have crazy fights. They have freak show fights. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look at all the shows that have come out of there, to be yeah. fair. All the, all the weird shit that ends up on our TVs usually comes from Japan. So One of the big arguments was that it, the Russians definitely wanted Trump to win because if they didn't, then they would have hacked the RNC and they would have released their emails too. But that's a hard argument to make because you don't know that they said anything inappropriate. You mm-hmm. don't know that there was any collusion. Well, and there was also uh, attempts to hack the RNC. And the RNC, as would one company to a next, not every company is running the same security protocols right. on, their, on their infrastructure. So the RNC had different security protocols on their infrastructure. And, you know, but they were, they were ha- or they not hacked, but they were probed Attempted. and tested and, right. and, and attacked. Um, and... You know, I, I, that idea that you know they wanted they wanted Trump to win. Frankly, 
if if Putin sat there and thought to himself, well, what I want is what's in my and Russia's best interests. Well, then I'm going to go with a known quantity. I'm going to go with Hillary Clinton because I know what I got there. And yeah, it's but, not tough. But, but you know? Trump was like pro Putin. I mean, he's basically saying Putin's a smart guy. Putin's a great guy. We can do deals together. We can. Yeah, but he's too smart. <clears throat> he does. He's not going to take that on, on face value. I mean, he's he knows he's reading all the same shit and watching all the same shit that everybody else is, which is that, you know, Trump is in the past has kind of been all President Trump has been all over the place and talked in different directions. And so. You know, it's not as if Putin would hear and say, oh, he likes me. And he's, you know, he's not like that. He's like, I bet we could be friends. And so in just a, in just a what's best for my best interests, it's, you know, I'm going to go that way. Business as usual. Business as usual. And I know I'm not going to get any pushback for the shit that I do because hmm. she is just going to continue the same things that have been happening. They're going to continue to withdraw off the world stage. And this idea that somehow Hillary Clinton was a warmonger. What the hell? Where did that come from? You know, so... I, I don't. I, I'm not necessarily buying the idea that Trump or that uh, uh, Putin wanted President Trump to win. That's an interesting perspective. I would have thought that he wanted him to win just to throw democracy into the shitter, just to fucking throw a big monkey wrench into the gears. <laughs> Clang. He probably felt that a Trump victory would do that. And yeah, you're yeah. right, and you're right. Uh, there, there's a possibility there, but you know, Putin is is uh, he's an interesting cat, and I just. I, I just have a feeling, though, that, you know, again, they make these these uh, these decisions based on what's in their own best interest. And I think they mm. would look at the track record of Obama. They would look at her track record. They would look at an unknown quantity. You know, and again, they're not going to buy what he just says on the surface. It's just not going to, you know, it's not, it's, they, they wouldn't be as simple as that. And they would look and think, yeah, um, let's go with what we know. You know, because we, we know we can steamroll that. You know, mm. and this over here, we don't know. Now... What was so? What was the point of them meddling and doing what they did? Well, again, it goes back to the same thing. They're just trying to create instability, chaos, and in a, in a uh, some sort of sense of mistrust of a democratic institution. Now, how much of a factor do you think it is that Hillary was not ever prosecuted for deleting all those emails after a subpoena? Because it seems like that. Yeah. In any other case, if you do something like that top secret clearance you're, you're found to have violated it and you delete all those emails and people are tired of hearing about this from the left they're like are you oh, still course, bringing yeah. that up again yeah but yeah. i gotta think that in light of what you said about them trying to hack into the rnc but no evidence that they actually got in but they did get into the dnc and you think about all the different security errors that they've made especially with her having that private email server and all that the shit with huma was using the same oh my God. goddamn computer and printer that Anthony Weiner Weiner. sending his dick pics out I on. I mean, holy shit! It's who, chaos. You couldn't have written that as a as a as a sitcom. Yeah, or if that as was on drama. House of Cards. Right. You would have gone. Well, they're going over the top. Yeah, now. that's not believable. They're jumping the yeah. shark. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to when the Secret Service agent slept with the president and his wife. Yeah. There was that. What was that? That was I gave. That's when I gave up on the series. Joe's not that far yet. Oh. Hey! Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. Damn it. Can you we, son of a bitch. Can we rewind that? Can we rewind that? Goddamn just, spoiler alert. Just pretend son like, of a oh bitch. Oh my God. All people Stop out there. Now. Oh. La, la, uh. la. Oh, now I'm going to go home and hit myself in the head. <sighs> yeah. I'm yeah. trying to forget that. Yeah. I, you know what? I just made that shit up. It Thank didn't actually you. happen. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Season two. Yeah, I mean, I'm who's fucked gonna, now. Who's gonna, now I'm just waiting. Who would have Now I'm just sitting there waiting for a fucking threesome. service sleeping with a president. That wouldn't happen. That'd be crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> well. He's already done some gay shit, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's a weird, it's a, it, yeah, it's a but, weird show. But that was the point where I said, okay, I got to find myself another program mm. to watch. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's um, 
that's what yeah. that's what you were like. This is unrealistic now. Yeah, that's not that 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 bullshit. That's where I draw happen. the line. Yeah, I'm sorry. Don't you about think that? somewhere yeah. out of all the presidents that we've had, somewhere a Secret Service agent has slipped it into the misses? I guarantee yeah. you. I guarantee you. Somewhere along the line, somebody fucked the president's wife. I think it was Taft. I think it was the Taft administration. Could have been. Yeah, yeah. They would have done yeah. it. Look, yeah. those are savages back then. Oh man, those people were barely human. <laughs> Those are cavemen with clothes on. Yeah, Secret you go all the way Service that would, yeah. far back. Shit. Did you see that one uh, female Secret Service agent who said she was uh, she wouldn't take a bullet for the president? Whoa. Yeah. Well, I, that's yeah, your job, Hooker. Well, that's exactly right. And uh, they fire her yet? Not yet, but I, you know, they, they, uh, I suspect that she will be disciplined because if you're, if she went on Facebook, she put it on our Facebook profile. And oh, this what was, a good move. Yeah, and she supported, <laughs> openly supported Hillary Clinton. Put oh, that on Jesus. her Facebook and said that uh, she, she would not uh, take a, a bullet for for uh, President Trump. And you think, <sighs> well, you know, you are in the Secret Service. That's your yeah. job. Okay, yeah. here it goes. Outrage. At woman Secret Service agent and Clinton supporter who said she would not, capital letters, risk her life to protect President Trump, Secret Service agent Carrie O'Grady wrote last October that she would rather go to jail than take a bullet for Donald Trump. Well, she'd definitely get a better job. Okay, O'Grady removed the post days later, said she wrote it after being overcome with emotion following Trump's grab them by the pussy video. <laughs> that sounds like a music video. That's like a two live crew music video. That's it. She insists that she would be willing to do anything to protect the president. But O'Grady has also made numerous other posts criticizing Donald Trump. Wow. Okay. Well, see, I'm not quite sure I understand the, 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 the conflict there. She said she would rather go to jail than take a bullet for the Donald Trump, mm -hmm. for President Trump. And then she insisted she would be willing to do anything to protect the president. Well, now she does. Now she, she, she does. removed yeah. it. And yeah. She wants to keep her job. Secret Service says they're looking into the post after a complaint. That is a <laughs> dangerous position to take if you are a Secret Service agent. You, wow. We're not talking about someone who's a, who's a just regular civilian. You're talking no. about someone who's, that is your, your whole job. And you have, you, you got to be, I mean, Oh, she's you, a sack in uh, Denver. She's, geez, I didn't realize that. She's been with him for quite a while. Look, she knows better. It's time for, I, I would say, she, you know what, that's dishonoring the service, the Secret Service, and you know what, maybe, uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll ice her, put her in some admin position. Well, you have you know. to, in that position, right, if you're a Secret Service agent, you, you can't say anything critical like that publicly about the president. No, that no, absolutely not. Absolutely diminishes not. the entire position. Yeah. I mean, that, you can, once you retire, you could say whatever the fuck you want, right. you know, without violating any sort of laws that you've you know any right, sort of right. ag agreements that you've signed but once you're in there that is the job yeah it's like it's like if you were in the agency and you're overseas and you were campaigning on behalf of one of the candidates I yeah mean, it's it, crazy it, yeah, it doesn't make do any that. sense so yeah i I'm, I'm impressed with her understanding of social media by posting something like that on facebook right, she was overcome silly. with emotion though she's so, overcome with emotion she's yeah. probably had her period yeah people get crazy Maybe she had a Xanax and a glass of wine. She's like, fuck that orange asshole. And just grab him by the pussy. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. What a weird time, though, that that guy actually said that and still got elected. And he won. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how much people didn't want Hillary Clinton to be I in know. office. I know. And that's the thing. And uh, uh, by the way, did you see that, uh, that little clip that was making its way around at the inauguration on the inauguration stand of Bill Clinton checking out yes! Melania yes! And, then, and getting caught. That was I thought it was Ivanka. Favorite. Isn't it Ivanka? Could have been either one. She's frankly. so hot. His yeah. daughter's so hot. Oh my Oof. god. Yeah. 
God, Jesus Christ, those but jeans. The look was fantastic. The look was pure yeah. Bill Clinton. Oh, and, he, well, he was like, yeah. fuck it, it's over. Yeah. I don't have to hold it back anymore. <laughs> look at it. Oh, yeah. Look at it. Oh, yeah. Oh, good Lord. Oh. Yeah, he's shaking, he's licking his Pretty lower nice. lip. It's I love when nice. she turns around and looks at him. <laughs> look at that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then he looks, he gives her a quick look. Yeah. What? Oh. what? <laughs> ah! <laughs> look at her. Look and at her. she turned. Oh, yeah. When, what's, what's he looks at her oh, she, he's like fantastic. listen bitch oh, you know who yeah. i am you know you live with a wolf look at that outfit. you know you live with yeah. a big old gray wolf she's dead. hi everyone i'm ivanka trump i want to remind i wish you had a fucking accent what's going oh. on there oh it's her giving him a massage oh this is like a, a porn film that they did oh, a fake God. porn about ivanka trump they but always that, do that. that look that yeah. look was just beautiful girl. it's the best part of the inauguration yeah. day it's over yeah. It's over. I could be me yeah. again. Oh. I'm tired of it all. That would be the only reason I wanted, or I would, would have wanted uh, Hillary Clinton to win. The only bright spot, I, I guess I should say instead, the only bright spot to her winning would have been that he would have been back in, yeah. in the house. Yeah. Fascinating as a first man. Oh, man. On a rampage. <laughs> He'd probably be on a rampage. Watch his, watch his mouth. Yeah, I love Yo, his I mouth. He little, bites his lower bites lip. His lip. Oh, he says, yeah. he says Ivanka. He's like, mouths Ivanka. Yeah. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Does he? Look. Let me see. Oh, oh, he does! <laughs> oh, Ivanka! Oh, yeah! yeah, yeah look at her! Look yeah. at her! This is amazing! <laughs> look at her looking at him is it's, fucking amazing. But this look when he looks over yeah, at her, watch. he's like, "I don't care." And it's an angry look. <laughs> yeah, it's an like, he shut her down. Yeah. One more time. One more time with the look. Let me see this again. Watch uh, yeah. this. Presidential chubby. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a mean, angry yeah. look. I bet he gets angry. Oh, well, I bet when he yells, it's scary. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was just a highlight. A highlight of the day. Yeah, whether or not you believe he's killed people, he's definitely been responsible for people dying as president. That's 100%. I mean, yeah. he's made those decisions. People have died. That's in that, that fucking beady brain of his. And when he looks over at her, he's looking at her with those eyes. Don't make me kill you, yeah. too. <laughs> you know you live with a wolf. <laughs> the wolf. The old gray wolf. Oh, man. Yeah. He yeah. would have been awesome in office again. Oh, just oh, roaming the, roaming the hallways. You what know? we need is girls yeah. who can keep their fucking mouths shut. Yeah. Do we have those girls? Do we have those? <laughs> uh, I'm going to need a car. i got to go into town. What an animal. <laughs> what a fucking animal that guy must have been. Wow. What's crazy about him is the stories of him just pulling his dick out. Like, that's something that people do, like, in college when they're drunk. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. The <laughs> I mean, you don't do it when you're the... President or former president? Usually, you don't. I mean, just pulls his dick out again. Who knows what Andrew Jackson got up to? But I think I think Bill took it to a new level. Yeah, so, I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine there was no or one JFK. like him before. I mean, think about J uh, JFK right. was was. I think JFK may have been because who knows? Because right. he, he had the benefit of the press hiding his his activities. Yeah, right? yeah, they and, all knew uh, about it, and right. it was a different time. And he was only in office for how many years? Three? What? Three years? I guess, or two 60, and a half? Or, Sixty-three yeah. got killed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Two and a half years. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Oh, he would have. Who had knows what he could have done if he didn't have back pain? Oh, no shit. kidding, yeah. right? He was yeah. all fucked up on yeah. all sorts of different. He had like some significant health issues, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, he was on all sorts of meds, and and but you know he still managed to find himself around the White yeah. House. And, and, and back then they would yeah. they would heal you with like witch doctors. What kind of fucking medicine do they have in 1963? Oh, yeah. They're they pills. You should take yeah. some of these pills, Mr. President. Well, they would put them on yeah. speed, too. Didn't they yeah. have them on amphetamines mm -hmm. to try to jazz them up? But back then, I was, you know, what Normal. You get your doctor write you a prescription. Here you yeah. go. You know, this will this will make you feel better. This right, will get was you the through Rolling this Stone tough song. week. Yeah, Mama's a little helper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Or mother's a little helper. Mother, I guess. Yeah. yeah, Mama. 
when I went from the south. Yeah, yeah. it's the the position is such a crazy position. I mean, it's really there's no one that's really qualified to do it. And every time someone gets in, it's like, okay, let's see what kind of flaws in your character are going to be revealed yeah. by this. Yeah. And in yeah. that case, when you look at it that way, at least from the point of view of representing a stately sort of like uh, you know like an intelligent, articulate leader. Obama did a great job in that regard. No, like, and that's very why, that, measured. That's why the people on the left love him because yeah. he 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 was the you know the projection of the intellect. He was mm -hmm. uh, you know and, and and fine and he was he was a he was in a sort of a, one of those folks you look at and you go that's our president and you can yeah. you know you know but again you could say he did certain things well and and I would say from a foreign policy perspective it, it was not good but I you know you got to be able to say there was good and there's bad. You know, and and that's where I'm worried about with with pr the new president is that I'd like to think that all those supporters aren't just going to say yeah, everything he does is good. That you still got to, but they always you know. do that. Yeah, Everybody that's does true. that. Yeah, they did that on the yeah. left. What am I talking about? I mean, here yeah, what's going yeah. on right now with the Dakota uh, Access Pipeline, mm -hmm. where everyone's blaming Trump for this. They they forget this all started while Obama was in office. Yeah. All of this where they were putting easements on people's private land when they were arresting these ranchers for protesting right. against it, trying to keep these guys from drilling into their fucking private land. That was yeah. all during the Obama administration. All of it. Yeah, I know. I know. But he gets, you know, he said, I'm walking out the door. Yeah, I'm going to cancel yeah, this. Yeah, he you stopped know? it knowing that Trump was going to kickstart it right back right, up and right. he would take the blame. Yeah. It's all crazy. Same with it. You like the, the Chelsea Manning uh, yes. commutation and all. You know, that's. Yeah, well, how about Chelsea Manning right after he that? commutes her says that he's a, a, a weak leader? Yeah, I know. Says Obama's a weak leader. Pitch, I just let you out of jail. I know. You could be in jail forever. <laughs> you could be in jail forever. You could die in jail. Yeah. Or in May, you get to go to a ball game. Look at that. In Look May, at that. I mean, I don't May, think he's going to want to go to a ball game. Yeah. It's a she. Yeah, how dare she. you? Oh, how she. dare you I'm say sorry. Yeah, right. the, It's not Bradley. It's Chelsea. She who was formerly known as Brad. <sighs> yeah. Brad. Well, they're not going to yeah. pay for uh, her medication anymore now that she's- Apparently uh, not. No. That's a drawback. I guess that she will figure out. I'm I sorry. think she'll just do a podcast. The Chelsea Manning Hour. Yeah. Chelsea Manning Experience. That's it. Okay. Yeah. With, Hosted uh, on the Death Squad Network. <laughs> Why not? Why not? It's, you know what? She what, makes it, some money. He, yeah, she's or she has got to figure out a way to exactly earn a living. So she'll earn a living. She'll be on Fox News on the View. On yeah, Fox the News. View. Fox News. They're gonna bring her in. Yeah, as a contributor. Bring her in on Red Eye. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so what the hell? Come on in. Give me wow. a sidekick well, on a talk you, show somewhere. What kind of psychological damage is being in solitary confinement, naked for like three years? How how bad does that fuck you up? Because she was in sol solitary confinement for a long time, and they wouldn't even give her any clothes. Well, I mean, I... Her, him, I, her? I have her, I believe... Uh, him and I, her. I think... Him, yeah. originally. Formerly known as Brad, I think... Formerly uh, her. Probably had some clothes. Probably had some... You I know, don't think so. Non-suicide watch clothes. I think um, that was the whole deal, is that they kept her naked. They were they're, they're saying it was tantamount to torture. I don't think... I'm not... I'm not no? buying it. You're not buying yeah. it? It sounds, again, sounds good, though, right? May, yeah, it sounds good, but I... I yeah. Um, it's a good episode of Homeland. I'm th yeah. I'm thinking it may not have Find happened out if they, quite uh, that way. Kept her naked just for a goof. Find a picture. If you can <laughs> find, no, go, don't find a picture. Don't, don't find a picture. Yeah, not yet. Yeah. Let's wait until we're done with all the nips and tucks. But you're right. I mean, okay, you know what? You just got your sense commuted. Yeah. Shut your fucking mouth. Yeah. Say thank just, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How about a thank you? Yeah. yeah. How about a thank you? But, so saying that he's a weak leader. Like, although okay. there may be some mental issues there. I'm just saying maybe that he, she yeah. was not, you know, up to snuff or feeling, you know. 
uh, leveled out. Well, who knows? I, 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 it's one of those things. And then Here people goes. Will, yeah. Most graphic passage of the letter. Manny's description of how he was placed on suicide watch for three days from the 18th of January. I was stripped of all clothing with the exception of my underwear. My prescription eyeglasses were taken away from me and I was forced to sit in essential blindness. All right, you love your prescription. It's like if someone took my contacts away from me. You know what? I'd be happy. Well, uh, you know, when but, you're in darkness, you yeah. don't need your glasses, dude. Yeah, he's not in darkness either. He said he was in total blindness. Well, essentially blind from not having his prescription glasses. Oh, blind. Yeah, his underwear. Much? It was three days. But you see how this happens now. Right. Suddenly he spends three years naked and in the dark. Think, yeah. No, it's not. You know, the truth is, again, I'm not saying this as, as from the right wing or from the left wing. I don't give a fuck. But the truth tends to always be somewhere in some defined middle. The parameters right. shift on the middle. But, you know. He also describes the experience of being stripped naked at night and made to stand for parade in the nude. Parade. Is there a parade? Parade rest. Do you rest. think they had horses? <laughs> uh, a condition that continues to this day. In quotes, the guard told me to stand at parade rest. I don't know what that means. Parade rest for about three minutes. With uh. my hands behind my back and my legs spaced shoulder width apart, I stood at parade rest for about three minutes. The brig supervisor and the other guards walked past my cell, looked at me, paused for a moment, and then continued to the next cell. I was incredibly embarrassed. <laughs> And having all these people stare at me naked. I'm hmm. embarrassed. Oh, my God. Embarrassed is torture. I shouldn't be embarrassed. Yeah, I don't you know understand what? that because you can yeah. look at me naked. I'll just tell I you mean, right now, if you want to stare at me naked, me without any clothes on, if you don't beat me up, okay, if you're not beating yeah. me or yeah. torturing me and you're staring at me naked, yeah, that's my dick. What do you want? Yeah. Sorry. What do you want Sorry. from me? There's my butthole. Yeah, go ahead. You, go. you want to look? What the fuck kind of weirdo are you? Don't you, you have one too, don't you? You want me to look at yours? I don't want to look at yours. How about that? I'm less weird yeah. than you, you And fuck. all that talking would go very well in a military brigade. <laughs> no. I think they'd probably beat me to death. Yeah. But, but, um, but you know, again, you know, it's... Okay. So, you know, her, her uh, sentence is commuted. And we can we can now move on. Uh, maybe until she starts her podcast. Yeah, and then the question and then, is: <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of people that thought he was going to uh, pardon uh, Bo Bergdahl, uh, you know, uh, Sergeant Bergdahl, the fellow who walked into the Taliban camp uh, and turned himself in, walked off his post. Do you remember this guy? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Why why did they think they were going to? Well, a lot of people thought that Obama was going to do that as well. President Obama was going to do that as well. Really? Um, and I thought you know, maybe Snowden. I thought Snowden would have been a very interesting one, but apparently what he said, and it made a lot of sense, was the difference between what Chelsea Manning did was Chelsea Manning was arrested, went through trial, was convicted, and then he pardoned her, commuted her sentence, mm. that, that Snowden never faced trial. And so right. because he fled and because he went to the, you know, essentially our enemy, to Russia, to live there, yeah. like, you can't do that. No, that no, no, particularly when sense. you... Again, this idea that somehow he kept all the material safe from the Russians <laughs> just it just cracks me. And the Chinese, yeah. he spent time in Hong Kong, and I guarantee you, step foot in, in Hong Kong, or yeah. certainly, you know, they you're, walk you're by your cell phone with a wand. Yeah, they know, they know, where your know what mom the fuck lives. you've got. And this yeah. idea that somehow, you know, Glenn Greenwald, who's an interesting cat, I, I don't, I'm not saying he's not, but Glenn Greenwald and somehow Snowden were going to beat the uh, Chinese intelligence service and the and the FSB is. I'll, might be a bridge too far, but um, so well, I you'd think have to have some pretty deep technological nah, information not, to be able to do that. I mean, you have to really understand how those networks yeah. work, and maybe Snowden would be able to protect certain aspects of what he was talking about. But I think we have to remember though, also, he was not Lex Luthor. I mean, right. it's sort of the narrative got built up that he was a mastermind at NSA and it's a high uh, school dropout. He was an admin guy in the IT. He was an IT admin guy who 
identified a weakness. Hey, fair go to him. He figured out a weakness in the systems and you know how to how to manipulate that. Not that someone can't yeah. be a high school dropout and be brilliant. Right, exactly. Yeah, but he was a high school point. dropout, yeah. isn't yeah. that? I believe that's correct. I think he got his GED. I mean, he's a, he was obviously <sighs> a fucking genius. He's a, a super smart kid, but you know that, yeah. the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. The whole thing's very strange. It's very strange because uh, on one hand, look, nobody wants their goddamn emails peered into constantly when they haven't done a damn thing wrong. Right, when you think of right. a free country, you think, well, hey, I'm a free, co- I'm a free man. Uh, I have a, a good job. I don't, I pay my taxes. I don't start any trouble. Why are they looking in my email? So in that sense, uh, a lot of people felt like they were vindicated in their fears mm. by this guy coming out and, and Edward Snowden releasing no, I get that, that information. I get, I get that, yeah. But, what did, that. but how did you see it? Well, I saw it as, yeah, I saw it in lo- more of a simplistic operational perspective because, again, I, I, what we talked about before, everybody looks at these things from their own life experiences. My life experiences are different than somebody who hasn't done this, but, um, you know, you sign up your fucking agreements. You sign, you commit yourself to protect national security, you commit yourself to treat uh, classified material honorably. So and just I, like the Secret Service agent, you right. know, when you start po- making posts like that on your Facebook, this is yeah. against the whole gig. You're breaching your agreements, and and again, and, but people will hear that and they go, "Well, but he was doing a, a service," or and then He's they a have the, they do have this this bullshit out there about how he he tried, he tried several times to go and and and, and talk he about didn't? this, and it, no. The, the, he never brought it to the, the New York narr- Times the, the, or no. Washington Post or any of those places. No, I mean internally. It was like oh. you know, he's got the narrative that says, "Well, I talked to my super. I tried to get this out there and everything." And, and you know, and once again, the truth is not exactly in either side's narrative. Okay, I'll be you know. I'll, so you know, the 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 far right that goes after him and says he should be hung for treason. That's bullshit. No, he shouldn't. But you know what? You know, I, I do believe he should face um, uh, the court system. You know, and I and I don't. You know, people are going to disagree with that. Fine, fuck it. But you know, th- that's what I think. But the idea of you know, or some of the people went histrionics and said you know he should be hung. That's that's ridiculous. That's not how we operate. I also get the idea that people felt like that was good. Uh, you know, ultimately that we had that conversation, and I agree with that point because right. we should always have those conversations. But there's a <clears throat> way to do it. There's a place to do that. There's a manner of doing that. Uh, but would we have yeah. had that conversation without him? Because I don't think we would. Well, yeah, and I, I don't dis- necessarily disagree with that, but I think that the, the point is that, uh, yeah, you're right. Where we got, where, what failed us was up on Capitol Hill, where they fail to do what they're supposed to do up there as politicians. We've got, there, there are uh, protocols in place, and a curious public or a curious uh, people's representatives are th- always supposed to be having these discussions about where on the spectrum between security and civil liberties and, and freedom, you know, where does that pendulum rest at any given time? Um, these people up on the Hill uh, in the intel committees, there's a, there's a well-worn path from NSA, from the CIA, from others, up to that Hill to brief those people on every fucking thing that goes on. I mean, it just, this just, you know, people are going to roll their eyes, but that's the way it fucking works. And so then this is also this game that gets played in Washington where they pretend like they don't know. And then they get outraged and they, you know, stand up and say, well, I just, just oh, I'm all angst ridden. Uh, horseshit. Those people didn't ask, they didn't pursue, they didn't ask the questions. They didn't demand that, you know, we have these, these uh, uh, discussions internally. To, and, and so I think, you know, politicians in, in part drop the ball. They don't do what they're doing. The, the, the healthiest thing we can have, of course, are people up on the Hill who are constantly 
questioning the system, constantly talking about it, because you're right, and it's, it's very important. You have to figure out where that goes. Now, another bomb goes off somewhere, and that pendulum's going to swing back to security, and people are going to say, fuck it, I don't care. Right. You know, you know check, check my shoes, do whatever the hell you want to. But, you know, read my emails, just keep us safe, you know, and particularly if it's a big incident, and God forbid. But that's why I guess my point being is that pendulum's constantly moving. Well, it's, does that frustrate you, too, frustrate you? Because that's where the conspiracy theorists come in. Whenever something goes on and there's any sort of a terrorist attack, conspiracy theorists jump in and say, this is a false flag because they've been trying to erode our privacy and erode our civil liberties, and this is the way they do it. So mm-hmm. instead of looking at it, in a broad perspective, like looking at it saying, well, okay, is it possible that a terrorist, active, <clears throat> a terrorist act took place and now they have to tighten up security because of that? No, 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 no. People automatically go to, no, they orchestrated the terrorist yeah. attack so yeah. that they could tighten up security because it's this overall global plan yeah. to yeah. you know turn one this into world one government. world government. One exactly. world government, exactly. yeah, yeah. Well, I hope I get to be in charge of that one world government. <laughs> That's all I can say. I would make a hell of a one world government leader. Do you think um, so? How would you how would you do things differently? <sighs> no, I would I'm just kidding. I would hate to be in charge of one world. Could you imagine what a goat rope that would be? I wouldn't even want to be a mayor. Yeah. <laughs> in the new you know, world order. I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be a want to be a mayor in, the new in a world town. Order. Yeah. Being a mayor in a town, if oh, you, you got a man. town of 10,000 people, you're going to have 4,000 to fucking hate you. Yeah. Right? Retail politics I think are the worst. You know, local <laughs> politics and and you know, you see, and Idaho, they, hey, look, we're talking about Idaho again. Everybody's like, oh, for fuck's sake. But in Idaho, as an example, I can walk down the street in Boise and, and bump into the governor, lieutenant governor. We have a nice chat. They're great guys. I mean, they're great people, uh, ranchers, and, you know, they do this. And in Idaho, they do, uh, there is a point to this story. I'll get it to it in a second. But they have, uh, the legislature just is in office for three months. They, they do all the work they need to do. Then they get back to their damn jobs, right? Insurance broker, car guy, rancher, whatever it is. So it's kind of the way it should be, right? right? You don't need people uh, governing you 12 months of the fucking year. It right. doesn't, it's not necessary. Um, but uh, the, see, I forgot the f- point of the story. But anyway, uh, you've got this uh, environment where you can watch the local politics. That's the point of the story. And you can see the congressman, because I'm on the flights with him all the time, and the senator, Senator Risch, great guy. He's on the Intel Committee, brilliant guy. But you, you, you see what they have to do to stay you know, in, in office, you know, the, particularly the congressmen, they're always campaigning. They're always raising funds. They're always politicking. It's just, and you think that's pretty fucked up, you know? And so that's why I'm, I'm a big fan of term limits and a big fan of saying, you know what, there's, there's nothing set in stone that says our congressmen, congresswomen have to be just two-year terms, right? We did that in the old days because nobody wanted to be in D.C. because it was a swamp and they had to get back to their farms and actually earn a living. So stretch that out to four years. Say you can be a congressman for a total of eight years. You get two terms. You can be a senator for two terms, six years each. And then get the hell out. Go back to your jobs. Do something else. And, and I think we would, de- we would deepen the pool of potential candidates. We would see other people come up, rise up. It would take some of the money out of it, maybe. Take a little um, bit of the influence out. Take some of the influence out of it, yeah. <clears throat> if I know somebody's going to be in office and you know, on the Ways and Means Committee for 36 years, I'm going to invest a lot of effort and time in that individual if I'm a lobbying firm in, on K Street in D.C. Uh, but if I don't, if that person's not going to be there, I'm going to, you know, I'll figure out how to work the system, I'm sure. But I'm going to, it's going to, it's going to at least shake it up a little bit. And I think it would take some of that money and influence out. 
But uh, I don't know where I was going with that story. That was pretty boring. No, yeah. no. You were just comparing another million the listeners. difference between local politics where people have an actual job on top of being a local politician. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's a dirty business. As soon as you're in the business of governing people, you're in the business of controlling people, you're in the business of trying to pass laws that help the people that put you in power in the first place, and it just gets yeah. real squirrely. Yeah, it's a little <clears throat> dodgy. How about that dossier on, on President Trump? What, what, what remember that, that, which that one? dossier that came out that was supposedly, you know, I, who, who did it? Uh, BuzzFeed? Did the BuzzFeed? I think they were the ones who printed it. Is this um, recent? The recent one. You know, the Russian was supposedly that he was engaged in shenanigans with oh, hookers. Oh, that yeah. stuff. The peeing on the bed stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. You know what was ridiculous about that was that major news sources were reporting that as an unsubstantiated rumor. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't yeah. do that. Well, right? and that, that, that had been out and circulating. Right. And then, but how could they yeah. possibly entertain that well, when, can, when they you can know look at the it's New York uns- Times and you can pick up the New York Times on any given day and they've got a front page, you know, above the fold story that's relying almost exclusively on anonymous sources. That's insane. So, I, you know, I don't think, it, but it was. It was amazing that they would run with that, and it was a complete bullshit report. Well, and it's such uh, a hatchet job, yeah, an obvious yeah. hatchet job. I mean, it's like it's like a hack wrote it. I mean, oh, he's getting hookers to pee on him. Yeah. Like, well, c- come on. And supposedly the narrative became then, for those that would like to have believed it, it became, well, the person that wrote it is a very uh, distinguished former MI6 officer from mm. the, the British Secret Service. And they, well, no, uh, not okay. really. Um, it was, was he? just no. No, in the world of the world of, of political opposition research, this shouldn't surprise anybody. Is is populated by a lot of sketchy dudes. Um, and no way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Somebody should do a series about it. Yeah, like um, Homeland, but yes. but, but real, right, real. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, that was a that was a fascinating little glitch in the old uh, on the radar. But I don't know. I, well, you know. it's it just it seemed so strange. And <clears throat> excuse me. Mm. One of the strangest parts was his response to it. Everybody knows I'm a germaphobe. It's like, what? Like, and he's like, I tell all my people, when you go to Russia, they're filming anything. Don't do anything stupid. Don't screw around. Don't get peed on. Do you really think I would just have people peeing on me? Yeah. I mean, he's got a point there. Yeah. I mean, it is ridiculous. I agree with it. From as a tidy person, I'm, you know, my wife would say I'm a very tidy person. I, you know, my first thought would be, oh, who the fuck's going to change these sheets and all this? And now we got to <laughs> shampoo the in. carpet and yeah. yeah, what the hell? Yeah, it depends on how much they've had to drink, obviously. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, what if they've eaten asparagus? Who's into know? that? Yeah. Who's into that? That's yeah. what I really want to know. Yeah. And what, and what happened? What? It's usually, I've talked to girls who are dominatrixes, and uh, one of the things they tell you, it's always these guys that like are like big time CEOs. They run oh, corporations. I've heard they have that all this with power. It, yeah. yeah, type A's. Yeah. You know, they, they, they want, want you to get tie kicked, them yeah. up and yeah. shit on their head. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it is. Well, when you describe it that way, yeah. I can see what the attraction is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I get it. Wow, I mean, man. I, yeah, I, it, it's just, it was, but it was you know again that got out there completely unsubstantiated. But it became the narrative, right? And people yeah. would start talking about it. Like, Let me tell you about it. I, I overheard a conversation today. Hopefully these people that I overheard aren't, you know, I hope they are listening. I was at the hotel where I'm staying at while I'm in town. And um, I was staying at the bar getting a cup of coffee to go this early this morning. And there were two fellows sitting at a, little, a couple of chairs. And they were talking about the new administration. And you could tell they were seriously angst-ridden about the whole thing. They were hyperventilating, very upset about it. And uh, one of them said, well, I, I tell you what I'm worried about. I'm worried about this whole Muslim ban thing and, and us, you know, returning to the days of being a white supremacist nation. And both these guys, both, mind you, both these guys were white. 
And the other guy goes, doesn't even blink an eye, doesn't even question what this guy just said. The other guy goes, oh, I'll tell you what I'm worried about. I'm worried about him signing an agreement with Russia. And, and, and next thing you know, they go to war together in, in the Middle East, not just one country, the Middle East, to get their hands on all that oil. And the <laughs> other guy says, in response to that, says, that's already happening. And they were serious. And this is what happens, right? And I'm where not saying, were these guys? Well, you don't have to tell me yeah, where they, they were. They were in a hotel lobby. They were dressed these, well. They were. They looked. So you, you don't know, know who these guys were. I don't but, know who they were, but I mean, they were. They were dressed well. Distinguished. They were, you know, distinguished. You know, mid thirties probably. Yeah. Uh, and they really believed what they were saying. Oh my! Well, they were reinforcing each other. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen on the other side. Of course, it happens on the other side too. You know. But that's the point. Is it's we've. People are fucking going crazy. They're losing their minds. And it's not just now with, with President Trump. Obviously, there were, yeah, people on the right that were doing the same thing with the pre uh, previous president. But I, you know, I wanted to turn around and say something to them and at least just say, I, excuse me, look, do you think you're maybe over the... I was having dinner. Not that I, not that I sit in over, over in eavesdrop on people. This is was, your move. This is my move. This <laughs> is my how thing. This intelligence agency yeah. collects data. That's how it dinner. works. Yeah, just going. You know, it tends to be. I did dinner in New York last week. And there was a table uh, next to me, and I was just sitting there. I was waiting for my colleagues to show up, so I was having a drink, and I was listening to the conversation. And they were, again, sort of feeding each other about, you know, apocalyptic, you know, results from the election. And one of them said, this is the worst thing, and he was absolutely serious. And these guys were probably in their early 60s and dressed very well. You could tell they were, you know, and their wives were with them, and they, you know, socialized in the 1% group. And one of them says, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to this country. And that actually did make me then interrupt, which is rude, admittedly. But I said, look, I, I hope you don't mind me. You know, I overheard what you said. Does that include 9-11? Does it include Pearl Harbor? Does it include the assassination of Lincoln? Does it include the Great Depression? You know, how, how, how do you define the worst thing to ever happen to our country? And I know I, the guy looked at me like, you know. I was a douchebag, and I was, you know, but <laughs> I always, at least, so at least he recognized what he was dealing with. All right. But I said, I, you know, again, I, I'll go back to my drink, and I, you know, but I just, I was just curious. And, you know, there was no give and take. There was no, you know, I didn't get some magical response. Yeah, I guess I was being over the top a little bit, you know, but no, Never. that didn't happen. No, they just went back to them. So, I don't know. You know, we should all just chill the fuck out a little bit. Well, people get on their team, and they stick with it, yeah. whether it's yeah. team left or team right. And which is why all those people that are anti-war refuse to go crazy about Obama and the drones. Yes. If you look at all the drone deaths that happened during the Obama administration, what percentage of them were innocent civilians? It's pretty staggering. But you don't hear about that from the left. All you hear about from the left is that the right is a bunch of warmongers and that they're doing they're doing terrible things and that look, terrible things are done. Right. They're just that's how that's how the world operates. It would be nice if we didn't do terrible things. Yes, it would be. It would be nice if there's weren't places in the world that yeah. were horrific I don't right know what, now. I, all I could think of was, well, what, what would I do for a living? <laughs> what's, my, <laughs> what's my revenue stream at that point? What would um, I complain about? Yeah. What do you yeah. think about what's going on right now in Israel? Well, I, that's that's yeah. pretty significant, right? It is. No, Explain it is. to people what's happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the thirty thousand foot level, sort of not to not to start from a different direction, but at the thirty thousand foot level, we uh, we've lost uh, a significant. Uh, amount of leverage in the Middle East. So, as an example, when previous Secretary Kerry uh, from President Obama's administration talked about uh, going to a conference to talk about peace in Syria, it's it's a joke. It's ridiculous. We don't have any influence in there. We're, the, we're not the player out there anymore. We're not because again, this idea that we're going to step off the world stage a little bit. As we did that over the past several years, uh, Iran, in particular, has 
realized more influence, uh, more leverage in that region than they've had in modern times. And they're ecstatic. They're, they're, they can't believe their good fortune. Uh, and, you know, I'm not just beaten on that old, you know, ridiculous uh, nuclear uh, agreement that we ended up signing, which if Secretary Kerry was telling the truth and saying that it was all based on verification, we're kind of fucked. Because I'm here to tell you, we don't have really good verification on their programs. We, and we haven't had it for a long time. So we rely on the Israelis uh, to a great deal and some of our, a couple of our other allies out there who have better human-sourced intelligence. Uh, but if it was down to us, you know, we'd be flying a little bit blind because it's a, it's a tough, tough target. Um, so anyway, uh, point being is the Iranians, you know, saw an opening over the past few years uh, to do what they wanted to do for a long time. And now they have um, a v increasingly tight relationship with Iraq, of all places. The Russians saw the same thing that the Iranians saw in the Middle East. And, 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 and we'll get to Israel in a second, but Israel's just kind of sitting there, right? Like Fort Apache, the Bronx. So Israel's sitting there. You know, we, they're questioning whether we've got the same sort of commitment to them over the past few years. Russia sees the same thing the Iranians see. So Russia goes in and they start doing what? Well, they start, they've, they've signed weapons agreements, arms agreements, with Iraq, of all places, right? Iraq. They're selling uh, hardware uh, to the Iraqis. After everything we, we, we were doing in there, all the blood and... and, and so, um, and then they, they've done the same thing with, with Egypt. They've signed weapons agreements, significant weapons agreements with Egypt. They haven't had a relationship with Egypt since the, since the Nasser days, going all the way back. And increasingly, you know, obviously the Russians, you know, they were never, ever going to give up on, on what they had in Syria. They've got, they've got one port for their Black Sea fleet. That's it. And it's in Syria. They're not going to. The idea that we were going to work together, this is one of those fallacies, again, where you think, well, maybe, you know, our interests are aligned as far as fighting ISIS. No, they're fucking not. You know, they, they, they are not at all. And so the idea that somehow we were going to, you know, work, you know, and that Russia had the same sort of agenda. Russia was never, never going to let Assad go unless they had a rock-solid replacement who was, you know, on their team. So they've created this alliance. Um, Turkey, in the meantime, is, is kind of slid in there as well with that same pact. Again, because we kind of stepped off the stage, and people were curious. And when people, or not curious, but people were confused. Where does America stand? Where are, you know, what are our commitments? And when we don't say it out loud, where we don't prove it, then they start looking elsewhere. So Germany and Turkey start creating an alliance. Uh, uh, the UK and China, you know, create economic alliances. Um, you know, France and Russia working together, and again, in, in counterterrorism. You start getting these weird alliances that have been built up over now the past recent few years, and then we're surprised that somehow the European Union is kind of coming apart a little bit at the fabric. Um, and so, anyway, but the point being is then Israel sitting there, Fort Apache of the Bronx, the Bronx um, Obviously, Netanyahu and, and President Obama, not exactly the tightest of relationships. Uh, and, you know, they, they don't have a lot of options. It's not like they could look around and say, well, we'll align ourselves with somebody else to protect our, what is obviously an existential threat for them. Uh, they don't have a lot of options. It's pretty much us. And so that kind of creates the environment that we currently exist in. Now, obviously, there's a feeling that uh, there's a bit of a sea change and that the U.S. is recommitting itself to, to Israel, to its alliance. Look, it's the only democracy, legitimate democracy out there. And, you know, um, 
again, like with any alliance, we should always be able to question and everything. But we should understand that we've got to make these things as tight, you know, so that there's no visible daylight between us and, and our, our key allies that others, because they're always looking for that daylight, that others could play off of and, and, and look to take advantage of. So that's a 30,000-foot that's a look at, um, at the region. It's very disconcerting. There are six or going on seven failed states in the Middle East right now. And every one of those poses, in a sense, a threat to Israel because— What are they? There's, it's Libya, Iraq— uh, Afghanistan, uh, Yemen. Uh, I mean, Somalia is obviously done. And but, when you say um, by failed states for, for the uninitiated, what, what you mean is they essentially don't have a real government. There's no real government. Yeah, there's no, there's crazy. no sense of control. So we're talking about millions of people. Which, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, Libya, it doesn't get much in the press um, because the previous administration had no interest in talking about it. Wow, well, yeah. Um, because they had pushed for, for the regime change in, in Libya. And um, that, was, that was a disaster. We had, you know, now, again, let's, re, you know, I don't want to relitigate Iraq or Afghanistan or anything else. Uh, frankly, I think it was a, a drastic mistake. But it goes back to, to what you, know, you were saying earlier. Yeah. To interrupt you, sorry. Sure, but no, no. What, what you were saying earlier was that this, this idea that we shouldn't be involved in policing the world. The real problem with that is when you pull back, you create this vacuum. When you re remove leaders, as brutal as they are, mm -hmm. you create a vacuum. Yeah. You know, and as horrible as Saddam Hussein is, there was, it was almost better for those people when that guy was in power than having what's going on right now, which is essentially... There's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's sounds, it sounds horrible to say something like that, It's horrible to say right? something like that. Uh, but... Um, and the same with Libya. Same with Libya. Absolutely. And the, the funny... Not funny. It's terrible. I'll say that that way. But the strange thing about Libya was, look, Gaddafi was working on our behalf in the world of counterterrorism for several years leading up to his being removed. The only folks that, that were involved in that exercise that really had national interests in Libya were the French and the Italians. And they somehow convinced the previous administration to get involved and, and that it was a good idea. Um, and now, I mean, look, Libya's got, what, 130-some-odd tribes. It's even worse than Iraq in, certain, in the sense of sort of a fractured tribal environment. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a disaster. So what I mean by each failed state potentially poses a, a threat to Israel is that what you get is you get the sucking uh, sound as, as all the air leaves the country, and uh, it becomes chaos. And chaos is where a group like the Islamic State or Al-Qaeda or Boko Haram, that's where the extremists make their money. That's where they make their hay. So they're, they gravitate to places like that. It's, it, it's guaranteed. And, you know, so we, we, I don't know how we're going to – it's way above my pay grade when you talk about, well, what does President Trump do now with the Middle East? Well, he's, he met with uh, Mattis and he met with a bunch of folks over the Pentagon today. And one of the things he said is, you know, I'm, uh, we're going to take action and destroy Islamic State. Well, good luck with that. You know, that's one of those things where it's a nice soundbite, but nobody should actually think that if we somehow rid Iraq and Syria of the Islamic State, that we've solved the problem. You're creating another yeah. vacuum. Yeah. And someone else will come in and fill it. Yeah. I mean, how do you take a place like that and turn it into a democracy? That's the real question, right? Yeah, I don't think you do. I, you Just know, can't. I, I don't, too, I don't, too much yeah. deeply I, ingrained behavior. Yeah. I mean, think about what it took for, for our nation, right? I think, and we kind of want every, we got short attention span, so we just want everything to happen in an accelerated fashion. We had to leave. Yeah. We're going to install democracy in, yeah. in Iraq or something. They, the Afghans still don't have a clue what we were trying to sell them. They don't have a, a, a fucking clue. And a, a, a guy that worked for me when uh, I, I started the business, the business has been up and running for about a year, and I had a, I had a Russian 
working on staff. Uh, very interesting cat, was a former uh, GRU, military intelligence, and, and had been a tank driver. And he had been out in Afghanistan during the Soviet occupation. Uh, was still carrying some, some shrapnel around from that. And when we went into Tora Bora, he, uh, I remember he came up to me, he was visibly shaken, and he said, that was brilliant, really brilliant, but don't stay. He says, they're like cockroaches. You step on them over here, and they come up over here. And you fucking step on them, and he was really, you could tell this guy just was, you know, he was, he was starting to go off. And he was absolutely correct. We should have gone in there, did our tactical mission, which we're very, very good at, and then left. But we were feeling the pangs of guilt from having left previously after we had that operation to get the Soviets out of there. And by the way, you know, I, I, I'm one of those who are happy to admit that maybe if you sell shoulder-fired weapon systems to, you know, a bunch of folks in Afghanistan, at some point it's going to turn out to be a bad idea. So you have to go back and buy them back. <laughs> yeah, that was a piece of work. But anyway, point being is we should have left at that point, but we were feeling guilty about having left before. And the idea was like, oh, if we just stayed then Al-Qaeda wouldn't have found a home base in Afghanistan, and who knows what we might have prevented. And the honest guy's truth is they would have found a home base someplace else, and we would have just been sitting in Afghanistan for another 25 years, right, I mean, leading up to now. So anyway. Um, I think that's yeah. one of the most frustrating things about international conflict when, when people start thinking about it, especially people like me that have nothing to do with it. You look on the outside and you go, how does this ever get resolved? How does this ever yeah. get fixed? Does it ever get fixed? I mean, is it even yeah. possible I don't think, I mean, it, it's not going to end. I mean, when I'd say it, it, I guess, you know, I'm referring to Muslim extremism, jihadism, whatever you want to call it. Um, Never. It's not in our lifetimes. No, not in our lifetimes. And it's got to be on several levels. So I'm not saying, you know, you know, there's, not, there's that old saying, you can't kill your way out of it. But, you know, it doesn't mean you, you, know, you can't make a good faith effort. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. And then... <laughs> But at the same time, but you have to work it on other levels, right? That's you like have that. to do. That's yeah. a meme right there. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm can't sorry. Kill about your that. way out of it. Can we, can we just remove that, that as well as my spoiler on the House of Cards? Um, no I, I, who would have imagined? That shows up 20 years old. I would have thought you'd seen it uh, by now. Yeah. God damn it. I just started. Oh, I just started a couple months ago. That. I'm only on season two. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> but the. Uh, the, yeah, so that the, the um, I forget where I was going with that. Um, We're killing your way out. Oh no, yeah, but you have yeah. to work on other levels too. So you got to build. Yeah, yeah, of course you got to work with communities. Uh, like we got It's a huge lift, and the, the local and the state and the federal authorities here in the U.S. are actually spending a lot of time trying to build some level of communication and trust with the Muslim communities here in this country. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, uh, if you just want to talk about somebody popping off and doing something horrible here in our country. Like, again, the old concept of the lone wolf attack, whatever you want to call it, um, your real only chance of identifying that individual, because they're not coming up on comms and they're not, you know, it's not on the radar mm -hmm. already. They're not associating, unless they do, maybe they do, but usually they're not associating with known targets. And so your best bet is a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister picking up the phone and saying, I'm worried about, uh, you know, whomever. And I think that's yeah. probably more likely to happen now after San Bernardino. When that San Bernardino attack happened, there was a lot of people that knew those folks were really into guns and saying a lot, bunch of crazy shit. But they just went, let me just get out of here. Nothing's going to happen from this. Let me just leave these fucking right. loons alone. And then they wind up. You know, and kill, I also don't want to be called a, you know, a Islamophobe. Yeah, I don't want to be that. Wonderful new word that they also use to people who have left Islam, which is hilarious. Really? They yeah. do? Ayan Hirsi Ali, they call her a Islamophobe. 
Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she had oh. female genital mutilation when she was a baby. They cut her clitoris off. And oh, she's lived under that oppressive regime. She risked her life to get out of there. She risked her life to come to the United States, and they still call her an Islamophobe for anyone that says, I mean, this is like it's fashionable. Anyone says anything critical about Islam, right. you become an Islamophobe yeah. or a bigot. Yeah, you're a bigot. And that's yeah. right. Yeah, you're, yeah. So, somehow it's, I, I, yeah, I'm not even sure how we got to that point, but. Um, well, it's the left. Yeah. You know, people yeah. go, I mean, it's just like the far left gets nutty, the far right gets nutty. Far reaches of any ideologies, they all, they're, you know, they, they're blinded. Yeah. They're blinded by their beliefs. And they are supported by other people who are equally blinded. Yeah, that's, no, you're right. I mean, it's where there's, you're, you're right. On the far edges is where the zealots, you know, tend to reside uh, for either side. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. the fringe, yeah, fringe. Yeah, yeah I think we just fringe, came up with that. They push. Just, yeah, I think we mean, just developed that theory. Mm, yeah, not really. I yeah, think this it might have been brilliant. around for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're learning a lot of new stuff here, folks. Um, but it's, from, you know, when yeah. you when you talk when you have this you know you have a, 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 a just a massive amount of experience when it comes to foreign relations and when you're talking about the almost like hopelessness of creating peace on earth, you know, like that that concept is always what everyone's always wanted, right? Mm. Peace on earth, yeah, that's what we all yeah. want. Right. But when you yeah. talk about the Middle East and you talk about how hopeless it is, and then you go back to like the fucking Carter administration, you go back previous to that. I mean. It seems yeah. like it's always been a mess. Yeah, no, it, and it's, you know, when you look at when you look at the the relations that these countries have amongst themselves, it's pretty fucked up. And then you think about you know our relations, our efforts with them, and that's on a whole different level. But there's there's uh, I don't want to say it's it's never possible. That's too pessimistic. But from a pragmatic point of view, um, I think we just have to be realistic in our foreign policy, and we have to do what we can to create allies, to do you know, do our best, always acting in our own best interest, and just get away from this concept that we're somehow it's a community of nations all working together for the good of the world. Um, some groups do, like I said, you can have your allies, and that's a great thing, and we should always you know look to promote that, and uh, but. You know, ultimately, I think we're the only nation sometimes, it seems, that apologizes when we act in our own best interest. We almost feel like it's unseemly or it's not the right thing to do or, you know, whatever. That's bullshit. Every other nation out there, including our allies, our close allies, they look at it first and foremost. How does this, you know, benefit me? How does this benefit our country? And if you just assume that's a principle in dealing in foreign policy— and then you also assume that another principle is that nothing is unconnected, you know, everything's, you know, nothing happens in a bubble. Then with those two things as guiding principles, you know, you got to start to creating a foreign policy that makes some sense, you know, and is beneficial. Again, you know, the, the, the difficulty is in at what point do you exert your influence? At what point do you decide to be the police person, you know? Police but isn't that person. just evidence? Like policeman. Right. See? The good man. That conversation Way about uh, Bradley. Bradley, you messed Chelsea. You turned it around. It did. I, but don't you think that that's evidence of the fact that, I mean, it's because of the fact that we are essentially the premier superpower in the world. And there's everyone else is a very distant second. So it's kind of like we're the big boss. We kind of yeah. have to go, well, you know, we probably shouldn't be doing that and well, yeah no sorry. i think it's, it is tough i mean yeah. it, it because you again you i agree you know with those people that say we can't be policing everywhere you talk about china i mean it's a good instinct it's a when you say we're the lone superpower you know some people would say well what about china and uh oh i just said it like president trump does china uh, then part of china's problem is well they've got several but one is that their economy you know this idea that somehow they were going to rise to the top of the heap um in the world because of their economy. I think it's always been flawed. 
there's a lot of, we spend a lot, my company spends a fair amount of time looking at Chinese companies on behalf of financial institutions and others from outside of China. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of bad paper there floating around. They've got some problems, really shaky problems in their infrastructure, in their economy. And tied to that is a problem that if they can't manage the slowdown, if they can, and, you know, if they can't manage and it's not good for us either. So we have to hope that they do. But if they can't manage a slowdown, and part of that is in their economy, and part of that is, is managing or, or putting a damper on people's expectations. You know, they've kind of gotten away for some time now with people thinking, oh, I'm rising up. I'm coming up out of the, you know, poverty class. I'm getting up to the middle class. I can be middle class. Well, there's only so far in that economy they're going to go. And they've hit that ceiling, basically. So they've got, there's a lot of discontent, in a sense, and a lot of, a lot of problems that they're, they're trying right now to mask. I don't know whether they're going to be able to do it, but we should all hope that, that they're somewhat successful since, again, nothing happens in a bubble and we're connected. So if they have significant problems, there could be issues. But... Um, and I, so I've, I've never been, you know, when people say, well, what about China? China's a sort of a rising superpower along with us. Well, yeah, militarily, I mean, it, you know, but we're still way ahead. We're still well ahead. Um, they're doing but isn't it, it like a mutually assured destruction ahead thing? I mean, we're all fucked if we yeah. go to war. I mean, if we really have a world war that involves nuclear weapons, the whole planet's fucked. Yeah, the whole fucked. planet's fucked, yeah. yeah. So except, for kinda, except for Idaho. Except for Idaho. Yeah, so fine. come on up. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. Isn't that kind of weird, though, that it's yeah. like it, that... I mean, we are the, yeah. the big superpower. As long as none of these people like Iran or Pakistan or anybody who has nuclear weapons, as long as they don't launch anything, as soon as they launch right. everything, we're all fucked. So well, we got to kind of keep everybody from launching everything. Well, and that's uh, and, and you raise really what the, where the crisis is. The crisis isn't with, with us and Russia going to war or us and China going to war. Is the, the, the crisis is, is, is a uh, smaller uh, nation with uh, nuclear weapons. Um, losing its shit and right. doing something stupid, or some of those materials falling into the wrong hands. Those two scenarios are still the the ones that are most worrisome. I mean, you look at a country like uh, I hate to say this, you look at a country like Pakistan. That was just going to bring them up. Yeah, I mean, if Pakistan didn't have nuclear weapons, we would not really be all that interested in Pakistan. It's frankly. a sketchy place, yeah. and you know, yeah. Shane Smith was telling me about Shane Smith, the head of Vice. Mm -hmm was telling me about what is that one city in Pakistan that he was talking about that he said is essentially the most dangerous spot on earth. He's like, there are so many murders created yeah. in this city. Like you can, Karachi, was he talking about I think Karachi? that's exactly what okay. it was. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just saying it's an insanely dangerous, murderous place. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a, although there are parts of Pakistan that are beautiful. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, and um, parts of hell, hell are probably <laughs> nice too. A nice yeah. spot outside of the lava. Yeah, aside for the lava, um, but it's yeah. So I think uh, it's those it's those places like Pakistan that really have you word. Iran, um, they continue their march. This idea that somehow that that, that agreement stopped them from developing that you know even the even the previous administration couldn't keep that you know shill up any. Are you, you worried know, about you know. Iran? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the sense that. Um, Again, they're continuing their their testing uh, their ballistic systems. They're obviously, I think they're still continuing spinning centrifuges, and we don't know about it. They got a lot of hot women, though. They yeah, well, there is that. So there's that. Yeah, those hot Persian broads that come over here. Woo! Man, Persians, yeah. There's something about yeah. their bodies, like <laughs> something about. Them. They 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 make them good. Yeah. Stout well, stout genetics. Yeah, it's. Uh, it it is it, yeah it is it's it's how do you, how do you account for that you're a dangerous nuclear power but you've got these really hot women so mm, could have put the two of them together and make something happen yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You know, there was you a sound big, like Bill Clinton. Yeah, yeah. let's make it happen. Uh, there was something that was going on um, where uh, Trump was really like openly criticized for saying that he wants to put America first. Yeah. And I thought that was so strange. And people were Lord, saying it like it was one of the most horrible things a president has ever said ever. Yeah. And I got so confused by that. I'm like, isn't that what every country says all over the world? So you want them to put America second? Yeah. Do you, do Somewhere you in the to top five. Yeah. 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 Sixth? Yeah. Is that like really being um, yeah. altruistic? Like, what does that mean by someone being upset that he wants to put America first? I mean, if, if there's bad treaties, if there's bad agreements, if there's, if there's anything that doesn't favor us or our economy or our safety, why wouldn't you want? them to put America first. That's yeah. that's really weird. Here's where I think we are with that. Uh, maybe I'm completely wrong on this theory, but if Donald Trump was any other ethnicity, then saying America first would not be construed as racist. But I think people, I think the far left construes it as racist because he's a white guy. Right, so if and Obama said that. And they view everything that, through race. They view everything through race, as far as I'm concerned. You think if Obama said bullshit. it, they would think he's being conciliatory to the right and, you know, that he's, like, trying to drum up patriotism or something like that? I think like they'd that. say, yeah, look, at he's trying to fire up the economy. Yeah. And it's all about jobs. And I, I just don't mm. think it would be, you know... I just don't think it would have the same impact. And I think if uh, Hillary Clinton said it, I think she would get a pass. Look, I, I think I, you you're know, right there. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't well, know. She said some crazy shit about Russia <laughs> that we should be able to respond militarily to the cyber attacks. I was yeah. like, you really can't say shit like that. And apparently, what was said was that she, they had said to the Russian people they were in contact with, look, this is all just rhetoric. Don't worry about it. But, yeah. That's what I was reading. I don't know if that's a, really how it goes down. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty crazy shit. When you start trying to imagine what's that line where another nation engages in some sort of cyber shenanigans and we're going to respond militarily, the Pentagon is still trying to figure that out. The Pentagon has been working on this for some time. How still can you trying respond to draw militarily? this militarily. Well, exactly. What do you do? I mean, so they haven't done anything. But the idea of what are your protocols for for uh, uh, cybersecurity, for cyber attack, cyber warfare, uh, they're still trying to figure that out because but, it's so freaking difficult but think about in this particular instance what we're talking about is not really cyber warfare it's someone getting a hold of some emails so you read my emails i'm going to launch a bomb at you yeah it would have to be i'm hoping i would think the threshold would be higher than that than, than i would think emails. so yeah, too would, but it, it, taking down infrastructure but if so, you want to look at it from a simplistic point of view i mean that's really what they're saying yeah 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 and and, and that's where you're right the rhetoric's got to, you can't do that you can't engage in that sort of conversation or you know uh, the, that's and that's why i would like to think that the the, the new president would have you know or would start to um have more and i think it may be happening more discipline and Sort of the messaging, you know, because you got to, you can't, you, yeah. you can't say shit out there anymore. Well, that was driving yeah. me crazy because I would tell that to my friends who are Hillary supporters and they, you know, they would try to ignore it. I go, how can you ignore that? That is a fucking yeah. crazy statement. It, yeah. you, you hacked my email, so I'm going to launch the military at you. Yeah. And, but it, so there's still confusion. Even if you think about if there was a cyber attack by a nation state. Uh, against our electrical kit, for instance, right. took down the the. E There's only three grids in this country: east, west, and Texas. So they took down the the, the east grid. Think about mm -hmm. that. Now, if it's a serious and coordinated and, and um, sophisticated attack, you know you may be down for three, four, five, six weeks, seven weeks. Could be longer because we don't manufacture a lot of that that, that gear for the system anymore here in this country. Right. I mean, we're, 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 and, and we're putting you know lipstick on a pig for most of the, <laughs> the patchwork quilt. Of the, of the power grid. And so it's a, it's a fairly frail thing anyway. Um, but if they take that down, then you think to yourself, well, how do we respond? Do we do the same to the, the, the attacking nation? 
that engaged in that? Do we respond militarily? And that's where, the, you know, again, the Pentagon has been sitting there trying to figure out how, what do we do? What are the protocols? What are the responses? What's the, what, what line do we need to see before we... So, I, you know, this is a, it's a whole different world, and this is it's something to, to really pay attention to because going forward, when you talk about, well, you know, maybe something happens and you get, you know, people starting to launch nukes, yeah, maybe, again, you get some crazy-ass, you know, uh, leader of a small nation, you know, that, that decides to do something or they get overrun and, you know, it falls into bad hands, whatever. But more likely than not, what's going to happen is something that spins out of control in cyberspace. And because we either, you know, we overreact or we underreact and we don't, then we, you know, we're playing catch. I don't know. I, so I just, it's a constant game of arbitration and coordinated communication and trying to soothe things out and yeah, keep things yeah. from getting too crazy. Which is why, I mean, why, again, I sometimes, you know, make fun of diplomacy, but diplomacy is very, very important. So you got to have those communication channels open all the time. People have to be talking. You know, you know, intel services talk to each other all the time. Even when, you know, two countries or even when us and another country are going at it in the media, you know, or we're really, you know, the intel services tend to be working together, keeping the line of communication because they know it's pretty serious shit. you got to do that. And things can get sideways really, really fast out there. And so, you know, you got to hope that, the, you know, the conversations continue. And we've got good people. I look at the, the, the new administration's sort of second and third tier folks you know where crap actually gets done you know not the cabinet level or anything but the down you know second third tier and they brought in some some good pragmatic people they've got some smart folks they understand i think the you know the way the world works um they're measured in their response now does any of that matter you know because the president is you know can be you know kind of a loose cannon yeah he's his own guy you know he's going to make his own decision or feel like who knows i you know i you know every this this caught everybody by surprise so did it yeah, really? I think no, so. No one saw it coming? Well, maybe there were a handful of people. I think there were four four people in the entire country. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, anybody else who said, yeah, I, I knew this was going to happen, they're just blowing smoke up your ass. I don't think you know, there were a very small number of people, I guess, that actually saw that this was developing and was going to happen. Now, I had friends that jumped on the Trump train early, really early, back in when you thought, wow, you're, you're what? You're doing what? Um, but I think, you know, did they see something or were they just looking for a campaign they could ride? I don't know, you know. But, mm, that is part of the problem, right? Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Everybody's looking for a job, in in in, in a sense. Well, there's so. also I don't know if you noticed this online, but there's a bunch of weird, sort of now, now very obvious right wing guys, but people that were just sort of uh, online commentators, or they would have a blog or a little of this or that. And then when it kind of became a movement, this Trump thing became a movement. All their stuff got really pro-Trump, and they started yeah. using words like "cuck," calling people yeah. "cucks," and like and falling into this this these camps where you're just seeing these tribal sort of behavior patterns play out. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, and some of that is because you know, you got, again, you've got people that are thinking, okay, look, this could actually happen. Yeah, I gonna, would like a job. I'd like to yeah. be on the winning side. I'd right. like to jump on the team. I'd like to be one of the people considered as an ally. Right. Instead yeah. of an enemy, and 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 you know, fine. That's that's the way the game works. It's I bizarre, guess. Bizarre though. It's bizarre to watch. Yeah, I mean, I I uh, early on, um, I signed on to a national security letter with some other folks, and basically said that, you know, we didn't believe that uh, Donald Trump, now President Trump, uh, was the right candidate for from a national security perspective, right? And, um, you know, I took some heat for that, 
Um, but some of those folks are now looking for jobs in the administration. And I think, I don't get it. What, what did you, did you, but I will say this much. Um, I, once, you know, once the person wins, and this is maybe where, you know, I, I, I have a hard time understanding some of the angst that's out there. Once the president gets in, you've got a duty to, you know, work and, and make the country you know, go forward and work. And so I've got no problem supporting the administration in the sense that I want them to do well. And I don't think there's anything incongruous with that in, in the sense that I, yeah, wasn't my candidate, you know, um, fine. But now that he's in, I want this place to do well. And, and so I want this administration to do well. I'm, I'm glad that they've got good people coming in. Um, but, you know, I still say there's going to be things that he's going to do that I'm going to say, yeah, it's great, good, excellent. And there's going to be things he does that I'm going to think, what the hell is that? And... I, you know, if if you can't be in that position and you've always got to be all on board or all against, I don't see how people live that way. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. Kind of, yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. Do you think it's possible that he could pull this off and he could be a good president and he could listen to the advice of the people that actually know how the world works and stay off Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's possible he could stay off Twitter. I don't think it's just like that old scorpion right on the back of the Tell frog, me can't end know? tweets with sad anymore. Sad. You can't say that anymore. Yeah, he's got to stop that. Can't just say sad. Yeah. I don't think that shit's going to end, but um, could he surprise people? Could good things happen as a result of a change in administrations? Uh, could the economy, you know, get see a bump? Uh, could we? Yeah, sure, of course. I hope it happens. I really do hope it happens. I really yeah. hope he really does commit to uh, rebuilding the infrastructure. Yeah. You know, that's what I think could get a lot of great jobs and would do a lot of good for us. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, yeah, roads, bridges, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's no water doubt pipes. about it. Water pipes. Um, I think that there's... And I, and I, if, if he goes in that direction, if we see that now again, you got people questioning that you know sort of the the spending. Um, so, you know, the jury's out on on, on you know what what they do with taxes. Seems like they're going to go in a decent direction on the on the taxes. But yeah, I I think it could I think it could surprise people because I think what people are missing is they see chaos. They see a lot of chaos, but. You could also argue it's it's it actually a beneficial thing to have a lot of people talking at you, taking a lot because they do seem willing to listen to a lot of different people, right? At least at early stage. I realize I could change, or maybe you know, and I don't want to make too much of it, but they do seem like there's a lot of different voices that are being dragged in and saying, "What do you think about this? What do you think about that?" Now he's going to make his own decision, but we get lost. We don't see those things happen. You know, it's like the discussions that they've already started about how do we re. Uh, align the intel community so that it's more efficient, it's more effective. That's a good conversation to have, but we don't see that because people get lost in the tweets and they get lost in, you know, the, the various headline of the day. The cult of personality. Yeah, and, there's, and there is, to be fair, there's a media out there that wants him to fail as soon as possible. I mean, they're just hoping that he Why fails. Why do you think that is? Because he's criticizing them? Because he's openly going to war with them? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. And also, you know, I mean, let's be fair. This is not, I'm not saying anything that people are going to be shocked by, but, you know, they, they this was not their candidate, never would be. Um, they, he stands for everything they don't like. Uh, it's a very, you know, a part of the media is very insular, obviously. Again, this is all stuff that people know. So I, it's no surprise, but there's a, a, a large portion of the media out there that really wants him to fail, and they're actively working towards that end. So, yeah, I again, you could go back to the previous administration and say, well, look what Fox News was. They're always questioning President Obama. You know, that was one voice, you know, fine, and some talk radio. But... You know, I, I don't know. So I think it, I think there's a good chance, not a good chance. There's a chance that the the president could turn out to be a lot better, 
there's probably a good chance it'll turn out to be better than people thought. Um, and, you know, I, I, you would like to think that everybody would want that to happen. You know, who sits around and hopes that a, obviously, again, there were people on the right that wanted Obama to fail. Okay, I, I, that course, again, but it's what we were talking about before when you said, you know, sort of the, the zealots on each side. I don't understand that mentality. Who sits around and says, I hope this guy fucks up. Really? Because, you know, you're living here. Right. You know, so, and this is your country, and you got kids, and you got you know, whatever. They just want to say, yeah. "I told you so." Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> want the other side to fuck up. They want the the other team, but they, but you know that's the problem is they're looking at it as the other team instead of looking at it as one big team. Once it gets in, I mean, we're supposed to be all on the same side. Yeah. Once a guy yeah. gets in, you might criticize his movements, you might criticize his decisions, but ultimately, you should want him to do well because it will be good for the entire country. Right. And you can disagree with policies, fine. Right. But, you know, if you disagree, then fine. Get out there and, and do something constructive about it. Right. right? I mean, uh, donate or go, you know, work in a, some sort of volunteer position or, you know, canvas your neighbors. Do the, you know, the political thing. I mean, people made a lot of fun of the Tea Party. But look, the Tea Party did what, you know, you're supposed to do in a democratic society. They organized. They, you know, politicked. Um, they worked. They canvassed. They got, you know, representatives elected. And, and, you know, they pushed their agenda in a proper manner. So, fuck it. Maybe, they're, maybe the far left will get over its butt hurt and they'll actually start doing that shit. But, well, you know. hopefully. Hopefully it just leads to more discussion, more debate, more communication, and more people having a better understanding of how the system works. Yeah. I think if one thing that we can look forward to with Trump is that he's so transparent. And if something pisses him off, he's immediately going to talk about it, that we're going to get to see more and understand more about it, how it works behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right, and, and I think that's one of those things that people look at, and you know, unless they hate him, they look at that as a positive, and they think, you right. know what, I'm happy that he's out there tweeting because mm -hmm. I want him to bypass the media and tell me what's going on and or that sort of thing. So, and I think he genuinely believes that that was a big a part of you know why he got elected. So oh, he's, not sure. gonna, he's not going to change that shit. Why would he? Yeah. People so, love it. Yeah. They get crazy when... Look, everybody looks at someone who's in power, whether they're the president or whatever it is, they look at them as being some irreproachable, some some person of like much higher moral cloth and value and in intellect. And when you see him, he's clearly not. Right, right. You know, right. he gets mad. He starts shitting on Rosie O'Donnell. You know, he, he goes after people and you go, this guy's like me. He's nuts. <laughs> no, that's right. And that's what, and that drives the media crazy too. It drives yeah. the, it drives the, uh, the academics and others on the, uh, you know, that, that have, uh, you know, typically occupied the far left. Drives him crazy because he does look, you know, preposterous. I mean, yeah. I've got, on every uh, level. Yeah. I've got uh, very, you know, progressive liberal friends who, you know, that's the first thing they say. He's such an idiot. He's, he's so stupid. And he appeals to all the stupid people out there. And I said, you know what? You know, how do you think you ended up with President Trump? By spending eight years telling people how stupid they are. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and minimizing their importance and making fun of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, there you go. Congratulations. Um, well, it's definitely yeah. a part of it. I mean, and he played off of that really brilliantly. He's a very smart persuader in that regard. Mm -hmm. You know, and Scott Adams, uh, who uh, the creator of Dilbert, who right. predicted this whole thing a long time in advance, and took a big hit for it. Told me it cost him millions of dollars. People boycotting him, hating him. And by the way, he doesn't even vote. He's not voting for Trump. He says, I don't want to have a dog in the war. He's like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. want to have a dog in the fight. He goes, I, yeah. I, I feel like it's, I, I can be objective about it if I don't talk about it or if I don't vote. Right, right. And so he's not voting. He didn't vote for Trump. He didn't vote for anybody. And he said what he thinks is that just Trump is an excellent persuader. He's like, he's, he's, his powers of persuasion are amazing. Yeah. 
And yeah, he goes, in yeah. the way he understands how to manipulate the press and say outrageous things so they talk about him constantly so he gets free press. I mean, what he did in that sense, Scott was totally right. And he was Scott was looking at it completely objectively. He's not a Trump supporter. Right, right. And many people accuse him of being so, and that's why he got took so much heat about it. He's like, he's going to be president. And they're like, you're a piece of shit. And they hated him because of it. It's, it's really fascinating because when you get to know Scott, you realize he's a brilliant guy, but he's unafraid to discuss what he actually believes will take place regardless of whether or not people think that's what they want or you know right whether, right whether no it's, i smart i mean it's i i didn't know that about him um it's really interesting the podcast i had with him is really entertaining wow. if you ever want to listen to yeah it, no definitely definitely who very doesn't leave I mean, i'm like everybody else i got a few of his cartoons clipped out and yeah stuck up on my cubicle it's okay i'm lying i don't have a cubicle you don't have a cubicle, <laughs> a cubicle. Yeah. probably out of like office a bunker in a basement somewhere yeah, oh, I got a, I got an office you could rollerblade in remember when big dick cheney was uh <laughs> in the bunker yeah where's yeah. the where's the bunker bunker, is there, is there I, can't, bunker? I, can't, I can't tell you what you don't bunker have to is. tell yeah. me where it is yeah there's a, a real bunker yeah there's a real so bunker so he really was in there yep oh why yeah. did he go in there and bush is out there running around Arr. the surface playing golf cotton you know <laughs> bush out bass fishing <laughs> he and shit he's like hi y'all go bass fishing after 9 11 <laughs> he uh. was he was doing everything man he's out there drinking beer on the dock yeah and cheney's seven miles underground with no communications tell dick he's gonna need to stay down there it's still bad out here why why did he why did cheney go into the bunker continuity and, of government uh, oh yeah yeah so in case they killed bush right cheney yeah. would be tucked away yeah yeah Vice really President cheney yeah wow so i mean it's the same reason why you, you don't let everybody stand on the inauguration stand during the inauguration right right so right, you, right right you randomly choose somebody as the designated survivor well whenever they start talking about how security is so locked down i remember that guy who uh, was the sign language interpreter for Obama, yes. who turned out to be a complete psychopath who didn't know sign language at all. Yeah. And he was up there just making fucking making gang signs and shit. Yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> and this guy yeah. was standing three feet away from the fucking president. Nobody yeah. vetted him. Nobody, no. nobody, nobody fucking did anything. There have been a few security screw-ups. There was uh, a little while back um, before that incident that you're talking about. The guy in at the one elevator. Point, yeah, the guy in the elevator, which was an. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That we'll was, explain it, that. That was a great, uh, a great uh, story. Not, not great in the sense that it was, a, it was a fuck up, but at the same time, it was fascinating. So uh, it was uh, where at CDC he went down to, he went down to uh, Atlanta. I think that was uh, yeah, it, right? And uh, he got on the president. Sorry, the president got on an elevator, uh, and uh, he had his detail with him, obviously, and this one fellow went to get on the elevator. Right? Who does that? Who even thinks that the right. president's there? I'm going to, oh, you know, keep the door open. I, I got to get on. I, I pay got, taxes. Oh, I, got my, I got my lunch. I got to get to my desk. And uh, so he gets on. The Secret Service asks him to leave, obviously. First of all, he shouldn't have been on there. They should have had, you know, a couple of guys standing outside the door. He, they ask him to leave. He won't, he won't leave. He rides up, basically. Um, and then as it turns out, he's armed. And he's a guard, right? He's a... It, private security guard for that facility uh, under contract with the company that had the contract for security he was armed they didn't even know it secret service had no idea yeah he's got a he's standing in an elevator weapon and right. he's in the elevator with three the feet away from right. the president yeah unbelievable so there have been you know little situations like that uh it's a tough tough job you know that secret service operation um i know it you know it seems like it only makes the news when there's some you know bad thing that happens to fuck up and or something people find funny like you know some hookers or whatever but uh it's a it's a tough ass job 
Oh, I can only imagine. And we should kind of applaud them how few of those fuck ups ever happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, they, they, they do, it's a, it's kind of a thankless job in, in many, many ways. And it's, it's just really, uh, it's always high stress. It's always stress. And so I, yeah, I, I give those folks a lot of credit, just like the FBI. FBI's staffed with brilliant people, great people. Well, just imagine this woman who made this Facebook post about not being willing to take a bullet for the president. What if she said that about the CEO of Allstate? Right. You'd be like, right. ah, good move. Don't take a bullet. Like, that's how crazy the job is, right. that it, there is a consideration that she might one day have to take a bullet for the president. Yeah. And apparently, I mean, she wouldn't. Okay. Fair go. Maybe she would. Yeah. Maybe she, maybe maybe she, she would. would. Maybe now. she's just maybe, angry yeah. and maybe she yeah. would do her job because she's a patriot. Yeah. Hopefully so. That would be nice. But I think she's, uh, she's going to at least be on ice for a while uh, based on that. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's uh, and that's true of any uh, executive protection detail. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a heightened situation when you're talking about uh, the president or, you know, U.S. dignitaries or whatever. But anybody in that business, there's no room for ego, can't have an ego. If you're, you know, bodyguards, people think about bodyguards and they tend to think about somebody who's, uh, you know, protecting, you know, the Kardashians or something, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, a celebrity bodyguard. But the executive protection world is a fairly large uh, business. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a really tough industry and there's no room for egos and it uh, requires a real variety of skills, um, diplomacy, common sense on top of all the typical skills you would imagine. And it is, again, it's a, just a sort of a thankless job. You know, you're often dealing with principals who really don't even want you there, you know, and right. high net wealth families, high net wealth individuals. And, and they just need it. They, you know, so they, they tolerate it. Right. You know. They tolerate it. They don't really want you there. And, or they, you know, they, they think you're after a while, you're just there to carry bags. And so the folks that do those jobs, it's, it's you know, in, in serious details, it's really tough. And then like out, out in Hollywood, you know, you sometimes get, uh, you know, the bodyguard, you know, they, they, they'll hire whoever happens to be biggest. And that's the worst thing you can do. You don't want some, you know, some big no. thick neck guy out there thinking that he's going to protect you and that, or he's the best guy when it could in fact be the you know, five foot two woman who's going to be actually the, the smartest because she's got all the right skills. She's got the combination, you know, and if you've got something busting up on top of the principal, you've already fucked up, right? You've already missed the opportunity to right. to, to sort the problem out. So Right. Sometimes it's better with a physically vulnerable person because they take steps to make sure that it never gets to that point, mm, whereas right. the big guy thinks he can handle it. He always looks to handle it or, or you know, yeah, exactly. So, you know, again, I'm not sure how we, how we uh, veered off into that conversation, but it's, it's a fascinating world. And, uh, you know, it's, again, heightened when you're talking about the president. Yeah. Um, so B- Beyond. Yeah. 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 What, how do you feel about what do you think like we should I mean should we be concerned about Putin and Russia I mean is that something we need to go back to when I grew up I mean you and I are pretty much the same age when we were in high school you remember that fear like everybody had this fear hanging over our head that we were going to go to war with Russia there's going to be a mutually assured destruction right. nuclear war there was nothing we could do I used to go to bed sometimes I'd think about that when I was like 14 I'd be like fuck I don't want yeah. to die in yeah. a nuclear bomb Exactly. No, I, I, hundred percent. I mean, I remember when in elementary school, um, you know, we'd have uh, the duck and cover. Oh yeah. Right. You get yeah. under your desk. And Good luck with all yeah, that. Yeah. I remember one of my, one of my friends. You know, we uh, one time we sitting under the desk and and uh, Mark said uh, started talking and I looked at him and I had older brothers. You know, so they'd already told me that how bullshit that whole exercise was. But I realized that my friend Mark here sitting there as we kind of ate our lunch underneath the desk. <laughs> so, you know, it seemed like this was going to do it. This was going to protect us. Yeah. And I remember looking at him and and I, and I told him I said Mark, this is not going to stop a nuclear bomb. 
There's no way. That thing's going to just blow the shit out of us. And he was like, oh, my God. And, and I, think I, <laughs> I think I ruined the kid for, for life. Uh, but, cause he, and then you go yeah. out to work in the CIA, and this poor dude's still shaking in a yeah, corner somewhere. Oh, my God. The protective duties. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, no, I think we should be worried about Putin in the sense that uh, his agenda, his interests don't match up with ours. Um, we should be worried in the sense that he honestly believes that the, the biggest catastrophe was the collapse of the Soviet Union. Uh, and he's never believed, uh, he's never believed that there was a peace dividend from the, the, the end of the Cold War. Never, ever thought that way. And we did. I mean, there was talk about up on Capitol Hill after the end of the Cold War, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, you know, we could shut down the CIA. What do we need that for anymore? And mm. that was the same thought that happened after World War II. World War II ended. And Harry Truman, you know, signed an order that ended uh, the Office of Strategic Services, which was the old precursor for the CIA. Shut it down. It took two years, two years while the, the Soviet Union started building up and rampaging for uh, the president to think, you know, maybe this is actually a good idea. So then he created the CIA at that point. Uh, but, you know, we, we thought we were going to get some sort of dividend out of the end of that. And, and it just wasn't going to happen. The Russians never, ever believed that. Putin, in particular, and his, his cohorts never thought that was the case. So, yeah, we should be concerned about Russia. They're not going to ever be – it's not going to be a bipolar world again where they're the other major superpower. Uh, but um, in the sense that we need to deal with him realistically, we should always talk, fine, let's have do a diplomacy. But we just need to be pragmatic and understand, look, we're not going to – our interests aren't the same. And – if, as long as we keep that in mind, yeah, sure, talk all we want to him. What the fuck? You know? He's a fascinating guy. He's a, he's I mean, a, yeah. what he did by, you know, running Russia, stepping back and being sort of a puppet master for a while and then jumping back in in 2012 and running it again. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, you know, I mean, that, that's the type of behavior that people are terrified of when someone is just sort of a blatant dictator right. masked as a democracy. Right, and he's, he doesn't even really try the masking. Really. Not anymore. No, yeah, it doesn't, After it, it 2012, he just kind of ramped it up. And yeah, yeah. And look, he's he's done in part, and I when I say that he thinks it was a catastrophe, uh, that's those are his words. He thought right. he, he said that the, you know the collapse of the Soviet Union was the greatest catastrophe of the 20th century, and he's absolutely serious about it. So he's been trying to rebuild that in some fashion or another ever since then, and it's not just territory, although he's done a pretty good job of that. You know, we forget that uh, before Crimea. Um, you know, he rolled troops into Georgia, right? Not, not, not the state of Georgia. <laughs> You're thinking, oh my God, Atlanta. really? That doesn't make hey. any sense. I don't think Mike knows what he's talking about. Um, so, but into, into Georgia, the Republic of Georgia. And uh, I'll be damned, but he's still got troops there. He's got a lot of troops there in, in uh, Abkhazia and South Ossetia. And then he's also, obviously, he took Crimea. And why did he take Crimea? Well, because it's important to his fleet. Mm. I mean, it's not going to it's not going to happen. He's not going to risk losing that. And then, you know, part of uh, the Ukraine. And but it's not just territory that he's interested in. It's leverage. It's influence. And that's where when we go back to that conversation about the Middle East and we realize what they've been doing in the Middle East in particular, they've been active in other places, but mostly in the Middle East. Uh, that's all part of this same process. This is. And so it's not a mystery why he does things. It's if you if you take him at his base word which we should do because he's he, he tends to say exactly what he intends to do most of the time um and not try to read our values into it 
right? Not say, well, I'm sure he doesn't mean that. I'm sure what he means is, like, you know, he's, he, he wants to get to democracy eventually, but it, that's a lot of horseshit. But we tend to mirror our values on other people, right? So when we were talking about, you know, earlier about how, you know, there's not another nation out there that really kind of approaches global concerns the way that we do with a certain set of principles and, and desires, even if we make mistakes, and obviously we do from time to time, of course. Um, then, you know, you look, at, you look at Russia and you think, ah, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't look at something and go, hmm, maybe that would be best for all of us. And I don't think he's ever had that thought. You know, he literally is single-minded in his desire to do whatever will build back up Russian influence in the world. So we have to be pragmatic about it in dealing with him. And to get a better understanding of him, um, I think uh, there's a great podcast between Sam Harris and Gary Kasparov, the uh, chess champion mm, yeah, who's yeah. A, a, a big critic of Putin who's managed to stay alive somehow or another. Yeah. And uh, I guess because he's just so famous. But, but that was a, a thing with one of his um, political opponents. He thought that if he was public, he would be much less likely to be killed. And they shot him right in front of his fucking girlfriend in public. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He, and that's... There have been, I mean, been a number of incidents like a bunch that. There's a bunch yeah. of those. I yeah. mean, he's a, on a totally different level. But Kasparov highlights the fact that he's a former KGB agent. And right. he says, like, you have to understand the mentality of the KGB. Like, once you are KGB, you are KGB for life. I mean, there's an extreme form of nationalism and patriotism and this this loyalty to the KGB that... Um, yeah, absolutely. He's, and he's absolutely right. There's not, he's not going to change. But again, we, we do this thing where we, you know, it, it, it's basically called mirroring, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, I, and so, you know, and, we, and, we, and then we get tripped up. We think it's a, you could look at Iraq and Afghanistan as an example. Well, of course, they're going to love this. Right. They're going to love democracy, and because we love it, right. and we want to do well, and we want to improve their literacy rate, and we want to do these things. Well, that's all great stuff, but it doesn't work you know, right. in the sense that that's not how they view things. You know, Karzai looked at that and thought, "It's, it's a shitload of money that I'm going to be able to steal here." Right. You know, the entire Karzai family was, was, was just completely corrupt. And remember, there was that period of time when we just adored him. We were, it was adulation. You know, how, how wonderful his cars are. Look how well he dresses. And that was, what the hell? So, yeah, so Putin, um, I think, again, not in the sense that we've got some World War III coming up against Russia. That's not the case. That's not why we should be concerned about him. Although you, you, you do have to, you know, again, worry about military buildup, worry about their uh, uh, nuke program, you know, and, and what they're doing with theirs and, and what we're doing with ours. Uh, unilateral disarmament, not a good idea, you know, whether we're talking about Putin or anybody else. Um, you can always want peace and you can strive for peace, but I have not seen uh, a world that works differently. You've got to do that through a position of strength. I think these conversations are so important because when a guy like you talks about this, you're not talking out of your ass, and mm -hmm. you get a chance to understand how crazy this situation is worldwide and how difficult it is and what a balancing act it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and you know, and it's tough. I wouldn't want to be like the head of the uh, State Department. I mean, the chief diplomat, that's a tough-ass job, right? Yeah, because, you don't get any sleep. No, and, but you got to do it, and you, and you got to keep that level. It's just like fighting terrorism. It's like fighting the Islamic State. you got to do it on several different levels. Community outreach and, you know, trying to solve problems here, doing it militarily. All these things have to work together. we got to be smart enough to do that. So the same thing with, with dealing with Russia. Yeah, we, you know, but the narrative that somehow Trump, you know, was being played by Putin, was his best friend, was that, that's all, I don't, I'm not buying any of that shit. I think what we'll find is so you that, need to watch more Keith Oberman videos. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, I know. There's who, a coup. Who doesn't love Keith Oberman? Um, a silent coup. <laughs> a yeah. bloodless coup. 
I think what we're going to find is is uh, is uh, what Trump probably I, I think maybe again who knows maybe I'm completely just call him Putin's shit. puppet yeah, please Putin's puppet um, I think what what he's thinking is you know what we need to as an example the military we've got to build up the military well he knows that you know he's smart enough to understand that you know we got that uh, wall to fall because we outspent the hell out of the Russians right we and also part of it was Reagan they actually didn't know if Reagan was crazy enough to hit the button, right? And so that unknowing, that uncertainty about what Reagan was all about, combined with the fact that we we were outspending them um, and they couldn't keep up, that's what brought the, the Soviets eventually to realize, yeah, this is, you know, we got to realign things because this isn't going to work. As soon as they found out that Nancy Reagan based all of her decisions and all of her advice <laughs> on astrology... <laughs> Yeah, they're probably like, wait, what? Yeah, hold on. I, huh? uh, let's we get get him on the phone. We're gonna need to talk this. Is one this out. real? <laughs> Is she being serious? Astrology. Wow. Yeah. What was she, that astrologer's name? Was Gene something? I something. remember that. Yeah. 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 Find out what that yeah. is. Nancy or if Reagan's we can bring astrologer. Up that picture of Bill Clinton again. I can. Yeah. I, I never get tired of looking Ivanka. at that. Yeah. Come Ivanka. on. My favorite thing is his look to to fucking uh, Hillary. Uh, yeah, Don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> just growling at it's her. Just, that that white man's bite, you know, bite yeah. that lip, you know. You can almost feel his hips starting to yeah. move. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Here it is. Sister of Nancy Reagan astrologer Joan Quigley. Nancy listened religiously to what Joan had to say. Wow. Uh, Joan Quigley, huh? Even the flight schedule Air Force One. Wow. News to right now, how big it is right now. But this is uh, Trump this. signs order to bar some refugees, signaling prioritizing Syrian Christians, <sighs> letting Syrian Christians through. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That they'll have Scandalous. priority. How do you know that they're gonna be fucking Syrian Christian? How do you know they're really Christian? They're right. gonna have priority. Yeah. Probably be wearing a I'll cross. The, oh, well, that's a good move. Yeah. That's yeah. that sounds crazy. Identifying specific countries with Muslim majorities and carving out exceptions for minority religions flies in the face of the constitutional principle that bans the government from either favoring or discriminating against particular religions, Romero said. This is the Trump quote. Okay. If you were a Muslim, you could come in, but if you were a Christian, it's almost impossible. And the reason that that was so unfair, everybody was persecuted in all fairness but they were chopping off the heads of everybody, but more so the Christians. How is this the president? He's that's so crazy. A, you know, I, I believe that's a run-on sentence. Uh, um, it might be a little bit of a run-on. Yeah. Trump said in an excerpt of an interview with the Christian Broadcasting Network. Oh, thank God he's talking to them. Is uh, Jim Baker still on that? <laughs> Jim Baker selling food. Jim. Have you seen Jim Baker, that video? Let's, 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 let's end with this, because this is uh, Jim and now Tam an is e that Tammy friend of Faye? mine. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? Yep. Tammy Faye died from Diet Coke. That's... Diet Coke gave uh, Tammy Faye brain cancer, and she Holy died. Holy shit. She used to drink jugs of Diet Coke every day, and she got <sighs> got the cancer. So uh, I don't know. I like know how if, people say the. Yeah. Got the cancer. That's how I said yeah, it. By the way, Diet yeah. Coke, I'm just fucking around. I don't really think. Don't sue me. I don't really think <laughs> she got cancer from that. She probably got cancer from Jim Baker's dirty dick. Coca-Cola company online. What is this? Four. Apocalypse Trow. We tried televangelist Jim Baker's survival food. <laughs> he sells survival food, and he sells it as a, a potential uh, base for your table what he wants you to do is take these buckets they pull that video down so, yeah. uh, oh no way okay so it's like the walls of water bricks yeah, yeah well he sells these buckets of food they must have pulled it they must have had him pull it what was the guy's name that was running that that runs that youtube channel let's give him his propers 
whole video is gone, so it doesn't say the channel either. What's the sure. oh, his channel's gone? The, I mean, no, the channel's not, but it doesn't say who the oh, where the channel. Look at the sad face there. Do too. a little, oh, I'm do sorry. a little quick oh, yeah. search to try to find that dude's yeah. name because he's got a bunch of really hilarious videos. But <sighs> he made a compilation of all the wackiest moments on Jim Baker's show where he tries to sell the survival food. And he's got like this table wow. that he sets down instead of on like legs, it's set down on these buckets <laughs> of survival food that he recommends. This is where you store your survival yeah. food. You use it as the base it's sort of your of table. Mid century modern look. Well, it's really. stupid yeah, because you yeah. can't get your feet under the table yeah. then. Here it is. Oh. What's the dude's name? Vic Burger. Vic yeah. Burger presents Jim Baker's Buckets. Yeah. <laughs> so he's. He starts, uh, this is Jim Baker, this is what he looks like now. He's got himself a new Tammy Faye, and so he's got all those buckets of food behind him. It's, oh, that's him right there. Yep, oh. and that's his new gal. I could not have picked him out of a lineup. Look at that. So this is his buckets of food that he's selling. It's hilarious. And to the right, what is that? Buckets of milk? New bulk sampler bundle. 23,375 servings. Wow. Only $2,500, by the way. Mm, that's really a bargain. And half of that goes to Jesus. And look, it's got he's got a shovel with it. Why do you have a shovel? Well, for eating. I guess you got to eat got with big the portions. Cook on that shovel. <laughs> look at those two guys. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. So look you're at that. scooping that? Bulk sampler bundle. Mm. Mm. Oh. He's reaching in and eating it. <laughs> what the oh. fuck is he eating? <laughs> so why does he need the shovel if he could just eat it with his hands? Because he's an animal. Yeah, look at that. So that's how he eats pussy too. Oh, with his hands just gets right in there. Just picks him up by the ass. Oh, he got that from Bill Clinton. Let me see Bill Clinton one more time. Yeah, let's uh, end on the Bill Clinton. Well, you got to end on the Bill one, Clinton. One oh, more time. Yeah, oh, look that's at that. Oh. That looks super... That's like curry. It yeah. looks very appetizing. Mm. It's like a wonderful butterscotch pudding <laughs> type of... Uh, oh, man. <laughs> and who doesn't want it if there's an apocalypse? Who doesn't want to just have buckets of pudding mm. lying around? Yeah. Yeah. Not, oh, look, you mix oh, you it. Mix oh, I see. It. Good. Okay. So that's what the shovel's for. Yeah. Jesus Christ. He is going to have diarrhea like nobody's business as soon yeah, as this commercial's this. Oh, over. Oh, she's eating it with her abroad. hands, too. Oh, she uses a spoon. The new Tammy Faye. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Good times. So let's uh, let's pull pull up that Ivanka video one more time. We'll watch this, time. and then we'll send let's you off into the business. Uh, you want to give a plug to your security company? Um, you know, I'm always, always happy to mention it. Diligence for all your intelligence and uh, security risk mitigation needs. And you That's work with like corporations and stuff? There it is. We do, yeah. Oh, here we go. There here we, we go. go. Hey, yeah, Ivanka. Yeah, yeah, good job. Good job, yeah. Ivanka. Biting that lower lip. Mm. Uh -huh. Don't I think if you, this just start, is... if you just started gyrating uh. right now. Here it comes. Here comes the look. She's just glaring at him. Oh, there it is. He's, she like, and she her, took a deep her breath. Face. Look at her face. Oh, hey, man. She nods. Oh, baby. She nods, baby. and she's oh. fucking burning on him. Oh, <laughs> look at her. That look. Oh. She, she is so pretty, though. She looks like a young Tracy Lords. Uh, and on that note, on ladies that note, and gentlemen, we're going to wrap it up, Mike Baker. Uh, Joe, Listen, thank you very world, much, man. Thank you, brother. Thanks for coming back. And if uh, the world falls apart, we'll see you in six months. And please you can explain do. to us what happened what went wrong. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. You got my word. All right, folks, that's it. Uh, we will be back on Sunday. So we're not going to be here for the Fight Companion on Saturday, but we're going to play the fights and not watch them. So I'm not watching him on Saturday night. I'm going to record him here, and then we're going to come in on Sunday, and it's going to be Brendan Schaub, Eddie Bravo, Brian Callen, and my pal Jimmy Burke. It's going to be a good goddamn time, folks. So if you want to get in with us, Sunday, 7 p.m. Pacific. Don't watch the fights before then. We'll have it on record. We'll probably fast-forward through the commercials. I don't know how we're going to do that. We'll figure it out. See you soon. Bye. Bye.